Hey everybody, it's Jason. We are back after a several week hiatus, a uh, charity uh, necessitated hiatus. Uh, thank you to anybody who listens to the show and who came out to the Million McFly March because of it. I mean, thank you for coming out anyway. Uh, but we raised uh, a few thousand dollars for Parkinson's research. We had a huge celebration. People came dressed up. We expected about 100, 150. We got about 1,000 people to come out. And it was a ton of fun. So thank you guys. We may do another one. Don't know. But uh, thank you guys very much for supporting. Um, before we get into this episode with Billy West, which is easily one of my favorite of all time, uh, I just wanted to quickly let everybody know that I have a book coming out. It is my second book. It's called Postmodem, The Interwebs Explained. It's a satirical history of the internet uh, written in character, as though I don't know anything about the internet and that I'm taking a lot of urban legend as truth. Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, it's taken four or five years uh, to work on, uh, but you will recognize several of the people that I interviewed throughout the book, including uh, James Urbaniak and Jordan Morris, both who have been on this show. Go to postmodembook.com. You can actually pre-order it right now. Um, and uh, yeah, let me know what you think. And uh, again, it comes out on the 17th and I'm posting, you know, throughout the next couple weeks from the book's blog, just to give you some samples of what's going on and the people who have enjoyed it. I've gotten some very nice um, blurbs from three people who have been on the show before, Jackie Cation, Rob Kuttner, and Patrick Verone. And with that, um, speaking of Patrick Verone and Futurama, our guest is Billy West. This is one of the greatest times I have had on this show, period. Um, he's a hero of mine. He's one of my greatest heroes, definitely my biggest voiceover hero, and he was just cool. That's the only way you can describe it. He was cool, and as you can probably notice from the time on this, we took our sweet time. It was a lot of fun. So it's myself, Billy West, and Jeremy Guskin, uh, uh, you know, frequent friend of the show. So enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, we could use a few more of those. And enjoy this episode. Thanks. <music> I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Hi, everybody. The album is Another Day, Another World. The year is 1961. The artist is Jonathan Winters, and my guest is Billy West. Hi. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so why did you pick this album? Let's get into it. Well, <clears throat> there was really nothing to listen to uh, except Peter Pan, records, Disney, um... Uh, those little yellow vinyl yeah. kids records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the kind that would come with a book sometimes. Yes. Okay. And, um, you know, they, they, that wasn't a whole lot, like, it wasn't interesting to me. The only yeah. things that were at the very time was when the Three Stooges made a kids record. That's awesome. You know, and mm -hmm. I would, like, I don't care about Captain Hook. Mm -hmm. You know, but I quit going to church when I discovered the Three Stooges. <laughs> you know, I found my saints, so. Uh, I really did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How quickly did you did you pick it up from listening to it? Was that the first thing you remember then, like, the Three Stooges? We can start there, because. Well, it was, it was stuck in my head. They used to show it every day before I went to school. Okay. Um, I was, um. I was already, I think I had just started school in the, maybe 1961. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so there was only two and a half channels on television. They sure. only went till about <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. Right. 
and then they would play this little film um, at the end of the broadcast night, and it was showing all the, the combined powers of the armed forces and everything. Okay. And, and there was a poem that a guy was narrating about how, you know, I, I have done this and I have done that. You know, in other words, I am man. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've uh, done this and we've done that. And he was, a, I guess he was a fighter pilot or something like that, or maybe an airplane pilot even. But he talked about how he had reached the skies and broken barriers and finally touched the face of God. And that line used to just, like, send shockwaves through me. I bet, yeah. No, I mean, just to hear that turn of a phrase, mm -hmm. I, I, I guess I always had some sort of love of language mm -hmm. in me. And, um, yeah, <clears throat> you know, and then they would be off. They'd be gone. So not only was there no television, like, in the middle of the night or anything like that, or it just go off at 11, um... There was no way you could capture those things. There mm -hmm. was no way you could preserve anything that you just saw. Sure. In other words, there was no video recording. There mm -hmm. was no nothing. You know, it was like you lived with this anxiety day and night if you were a little freak like me. That <laughs> you just saw the coolest thing you were you were ever going to see in your life. And you'll never get it back. And I may never, ever, ever see it again yeah. because there was no way to know. Yeah. So, And so the desperation that a lot of artists had was to just cling to it psychically mm -hmm. while during its uh, airing and try and suck every element out of it that you could, including yeah. the music. Yeah. You know, and I was a little musician. Um, you know, I played trumpet when I was like nine, mm -hmm. something like that. But in, even before that, I would just see all these cool things and, and in five minutes it's going to be gone. It was like, yeah. it was like when you're down to your last bite of... Uh, you know, sea salt and caramel. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and it's like, gee, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Do I really polish it off? And then it's like, I got to call it a day. It's gone. Right. It's over. Absolutely. So, um, unless you're a glutton and you decide to, yeah, of course, you know, go grab five more pints, right? <laughs> which an ex-addict would go do. Sure, sure, sure. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but uh, what would happen was clinging to those things. The only available stuff was like that was recorded comedy. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't mean. Re I mean, recorded anything. Sure, Music. sure. Uh, we had. Uh, I had heard Escavel. Mm -hmm. I had heard what they now call space age bachelor pad music. Uh huh. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But back then, it was just this exotic stuff that, like, if a guy wanted to get into the, uh, you know, with his wife, get in the mood with a couple of cocktails, and mm -hmm. you know, before the tie came off, they would listen to Exotica. Right. Right. You know, and then they'd go bump uglies <laughs> in the dark in the 50s. Because you couldn't call it what it really was. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it set the mood, in other yeah. words. And On that note, I'm going to just real quick invite my buddy Jeremy in. Hi, Jeremy. Oh, hey. This How is are Jeremy. You? Very nice to meet you. Have a seat. See, this is what I like to do. Come in late enough so that I don't know what's going on. We're going to yeah, share my... We're, 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 that's well, fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really so what's happening is that uh, Billy West is giving me the birds and the bees speech. See, I didn't know. There are a lot of things I did not know. Wow. Yeah. And you're married and everything. I know. Your wife must be so disappointed. She in really you. is. But yeah, but you can't sit here and tell me that you don't have volumes and reams of Martin Denny and. Uh, you can see the collection. I guess we do kind of. Who was the other guy? The uh, he never left Glendale, California, but he wrote about exotic Polynesian <laughs> islands. Oh and yeah, uh, did all those travel logs and things like that. What's his name? Les Baxter. That's it. Yeah, he lived in Glendale. And never left. Never left ever <laughs> in his life. But Les Baxter was part of the uh, Mel Torme 
Okay. Um, Meltones. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was a singer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these guys just were thinking out of the box at the time, and they were wondering, what doesn't exist? I mean, people yeah. people go see a movie, and they get treated to this beautiful soundtrack if it's an exotic movie of mm-hmm. some type. And all the palettes that underscore bliss and escape and uh, sex, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, uh, but one of the records that I somehow had access to in 1962 was Jonathan Winter's uh, Another Day, Another Planet. Mm-hmm. Now, I was enthralled, captivated with Jonathan Winter's, but before him, I was exposed to Sid Caesar. Yes. When I lived in Detroit, it was the 50s, and my mm-hmm. mom let me stay up till like, 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I remember sitting on the couch in the projects in Detroit with an old giant Munts TV, black and white, <laughs> mm-hmm. and watching this, this crazy man. You know, it was the first televised image I think I ever saw yeah and there was a here there's this crazy man that's like pulling hells and heavens out of his rear end and mm-hmm. he's like vocalizing and making noises and and also doing silent stuff too. and doing silent yeah. movie mimicry sure um, which was brilliant I mm-hmm. mean everything he could yeah. speak languages that you would swear were real <laughs> languages exactly right yeah and I was I just was an instant student of this guy yeah Sid Caesar he would do movie parodies, television show parodies. And it was like everything that I wound up to do. Mm-hmm. Just about all of it. Yeah. It wrapped up in this guy who molecularly just shook me when I first saw him. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why like Sid Caesar was so important, especially at that time, and the world of comedy. I mean, one, it was live comedy. Television. From, from New York. I mean, like this was the real deal. And yeah. I think the original show was an hour and a half long. They uh-huh. originally gave him an hour and a half. That's what he asked for. Right. You know, when it was Caesar's Hour before it came your show of shows. And, I mean, like, the the writing team that he had also would speak of Sid Caesar as if he was, I mean, he was this this thing. You know, he, like He not, was a god. He was. Mm-hmm. He was, this he was a very troubled god, god as very most sure. of our mirth makers are. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and Jonathan Winters was also a very troubled god. But Ooh. if you want to boil it down, these two guys were my heroes. Sid yeah. Caesar didn't make albums. Sure. But... But I was exposed to him first. Yeah. And I used to think to myself, what a crazy man. What what kind of man does these things? Yeah. And why does he appear so iconic and heroic, like right out of the gate? Right. I suppose my suspension of disbelief was a little different when I was probably two or three or four. Sure. You know. Yeah. But I did see it, and I remember bits. And, yeah. I, and one of the things that struck me about him, like, like people <clears throat> wacky was invented by people who ain't funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I remember do. those NBC promos where all the cast of the different shows were doing the wacky dance? Oh, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, whatever it must is. Must like, see TV, oh, be you there. Me right. You caught me unawares even though I'm completely in makeup and on a set. Oh, yeah, yeah. me? Yeah, and they're doing this impromptu yeah. wacky dance. Right. And, uh, and it used to turn my stomach because you know that that was co-opted by some bloodless, godless, artless suit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Dancing is funny. Right. Dancing, well, more dancing because dancing is funny. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the truth. All right. Yeah. You know, he's like uh, the gatekeeper and the arbiter of what's cool and what yeah. ain't. Yeah. Um, so when I saw that stuff, I said, 
this is just nothing but wacky. And then I began to muse on it, and I said, wacky was invented by people who ain't funny. Yeah. Well, people that were truly funny. Now you, now most kids and most young people can't tell the difference who's really funny and who ain't. Who's cool musically and who ain't. Who's a faker. Mm-hmm. You know, but they just, um, there's no, I guess there's no real um, scrutiny going on. And also, it, I think there is some scrutiny. Unfortunately, it's like the opinions that matter are just as loud as those idiots who said, do the wacky dance. No, with more arms, because arms yes. is wacky. That's yes. how my cousin did it at the party. Well, you know that you know? they do listen to people that have you know a head on their shoulder that sure. go to the Internet and say stuff. Sometimes it can influence somebody to back down. Sure. Yeah. Which I love. Oh, it's yeah. the best. It doesn't happen enough. I love. Uh, meanwhile, there's all this other crowd of people that, you know, it's like anyone can play the home game. Mm-hmm. And there are people that that are so malevolent that they post with a vehemence. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there thinking about this. This guy's always on my website or he's always on somebody's website. And you look at the content and it's usually, you know, it could be like the ladies. Sodality Home and Garden website, you know, and some woman will be there, and it's like, I just planted my azaleas, you know, yahoo, you know, and then there'll be another one, and it's like, this is also a good time to plant geraniums, but be conscious of putting out as many bee friendly plants as you can. And then the next post will be, fuck you. <laughs> right, it just escalates from one to a hundred. Yeah, and you know, and you know, the stupid kid is like 13 yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just gonna reach in and mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here. Right. I'm here to wipe your face in the carpet, you know. Yeah, yeah. you don't know. I mean, and there's nothing adult. you can do about it. There's it's nothing. this cheesy, yeah. cheap little form of power. It's yeah. not even, it's just Yeah. It's it's um I don't know. It's like it, the arguing equivalent of ringing somebody's doorbell and running absolutely. away. Absolutely. I know, but you know what that is? That's like uh, having the ambition to be a rock in someone's shoe your yeah. whole yeah. life. <laughs> it's a, yeah. What false, an ambition. Yeah. It's a false sense of anarchy. It's like they really think they might affect some change. I know, but they post with a vehemence like there was uh, uh, an award yeah. to be given. Yeah, know. You know, like they're really trying, uh, you know, and there's no, there's no Hall of Fame for a-hole posters, yeah, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. if there is, it's the hall of nothing because because what you say affects nothing and nobody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, would have the, that place would have the worst gift shop ever. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be awful if there did exist. Yeah, remember this one? Fail. Mm. <laughs> that was good. I yeah, that's that five bucks. <laughs> totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. Epic fail. Oh, that's 12 bucks. <laughs> These two. guys... Would you, would you... Brought to you by poster number seven. Right, you know, yeah, like Bismarck hates you. And, right, and these memes. Memes, yeah, yeah. I like them better when they were called things that just sort of stuck in your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. just something I thought of once and then go away. Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to say that, um, you know, the, the idea of what's funny and what isn't, it's, it's, it's like that question should just be put out to pasture. It's yeah. no longer... Uh, it's no longer debatable or... Mm-hmm. You know, because people... It's like um, comedy's really more subjective now than it ever was before. Yeah. So, um, there's, you know, so many. It's like uh, Baskin Robbins, you know, like how many flavors of comedy. For sure. You know, and then some. Yeah. But that's okay by me, but like when a pass fail system gets created, mm-hmm. it bugs me. Of course, yeah. Because it becomes the norm. 
like all these new cartoons that I audition for, they look like children's refrigerator art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah. and that's the objective. Sure. And yeah. it's supposed to be about nothing. And it's yeah, and not funny, but guess what? If you create that as a thing that everybody wonders about, why? What is this? Why did they do? Um, I, 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 someone thinks they understand it, and then it becomes culty. Of course. Yeah. 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 So, um, but the thing about that is, um, these twenty-somethings have created a substandard that is now the norm. Mm-hmm. And the reason they did it, whether they knew it or not, I happen to know because I'm about eighty years old. <laughs> but they did it so that no one can fail. Yeah. Sure. Nobody can fail. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, if no one understands what it's about, big deal. Yeah. If the drawing just looks like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it looks disturbing. Peter or Max like, you threw know. up or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, you know, like, or like a, you know, like, or there was somebody, you know, like my six-year-old trying to do a Linda Barry cartoon, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, but she's really trying. She, does, just, she doesn't want substandards. Exactly. She's, she's aiming as high as she can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about somebody trying to, like, come up with a quality and not even yeah. understand what went into the original. Well, no, you know? they all want to be Seth MacFarlane, so you get, yeah. like, two producer masterminds that, that, um, decide that they insist that they're going to do their own anemic voices for the characters. Right. And they think they're Seth, you know, but the thing is, is Seth is a is a master, a mm-hmm. craftsman in every sense of the word, an mm-hmm. artisan. Yeah. A guy who's willing to work like 20 hours a day if he could. I know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know him. I've been on his show a couple of times on uh, Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the stuff that counts is everybody wants to have the finished product with the accolades and and the money and all this other stuff without having to do any real work or search your soul or bang your head against the wall sure. mm-hmm. that part gets glossed over it's almost like it's almost like somebody saying they're sorry for something that part's too hard to deal with for most people now mm-hmm. so they want to skip that step and go i'm sorry you feel that way <laughs> right yeah. right yeah you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like it's almost sociopathic Mm-hmm. Oh boy, am I gonna get? Like, <laughs> it's alright. The comments prob- will be on my There's probably a wrecking ball heading right from my bedroom <laughs> oh, right now. Please. You said this about us, and now you must pay. <laughs> there goes my house disintegrated. Oh, you little devils! Oh, how I'll laugh when you die. Oh, how I laughed. We can never die. We are the substandards. <laughs> we take the low road, doesn't everybody? <laughs> Old man, it's relic from the past, cling to your standards and aiming high. <laughs> well, that's another thing we talk about on this show a lot is, uh, and I don't like to sound like a grandpa whenever I talk about it, I don't just like old comedy because I'm nostalgic. I like old comedy because I do appreciate that these are people who had a fallback, which was like a whole, like, I can fucking dance like a motherfucker. I'm doing comedy, but I can also dance. I can also sing because mm-hmm. I trained. Well, you them, were what was you know? called originally in the Hollywood a triple threat. Yeah, right. Now you don't even have, you You could be like an idol threat. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, like, well, that's why I love, like, singing in the rain when they're descri- you know, describing Lena when they come up with the great idea. It's like, wait a minute, we can't do that plan. Like, Lena, why? She can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. Oh, Triple I know. Threat, right? I mean, but that's what and it is today. I can't stand him. <laughs> I can't stand him. Oh, that was Hans Conrad. So, oh, God, so good. The great Hans Conrad. I love that movie. Uh, but, but, but that's literally what it is. You know, it's, it's, I don't think, 
you know, you know, you talk about all these kids and everything not understanding where it comes from, but I but mean, look at how they were raised. They were raised in like a generation that where the media basically was bombarding them with the message: you're a superstar or you're nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, all this other. Don't you wish you were me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you wish you were my leg that gets to walk on this property? <laughs> you know, I mean, just it was almost like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. never, you're not going to be anything. And yeah. So they just had this superstar shit in their sure. head, and it's like everybody was proud of the job they had. Mm-hmm. If you had a good job and you were supporting your family, it's like you didn't always have one eye. You know, I'm go down the marina and you've got a nice kind of little speedboat, you know. Right. Wooden, old-fashioned with the glass windows, you know. <laughs> and then you and then you start looking to the marina left and right and there's these, like, castles on wheels, <laughs> on, on waves. Yeah. And, uh, and you start feeling like nothing. So imagine growing up like that, sure. feeling like you're nothing if you didn't have everything. Right. But, yeah. but there is a way to have everything. It doesn't happen to everybody, but you've got to work like yeah. crazy. Otherwise, you've got a, a country full of um, lottery dreamers. Mm-hmm. You know, all I got to do is this, and I'll, I'll be also, I'll be famous, and I'll be rich. Yeah, and it goes to entertainment too. It's like I don't even have to have any tangible skills. Like, look how all the people in reality television who make a career out of being, le- I mean, less interesting than people I know who aren't in entertainment. Well, mm-hmm. number one, my heroes weren't effing celebrities. Yeah, they you were, know, they just weren't. My heroes were artists. Yes. Yeah. Were, I had no yeah. celebrity worship. If there was a particular man that portrayed a part, I believed in the character. Sure. I don't want to hear what he has to say politically and all this other crap. He's mm-hmm. just not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. What he became as a character was a concerted effort of guys who wrote. They were they had literary backgrounds. They didn't watch TV to learn to write for TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they had literature that they were students of. And, um, you know, it just, uh, I think, well, what I want to say is there's people that, if there are people taking me seriously, the other stuff you don't have to take seriously. <laughs> but, but I wound up doing everything I dreamed about, but I was willing to work for it. I have immigrant mentality. You know, if I had the chance to work for 20 hours a day, I would do it to this day. You know, it's just like that's all I know. Journeyman. As far as new frontiers... can't tell you too much. I can tell you Jackie's fine, and we're all fine right here. You know, I was thinking, I don't know why Kennedy came to mind, but, but it's almost a Walter Brennan, if you think about it. You know, Walter Brennan talks like he's dead, down in the valley, and if you sort of change it a little to Kennedy and Frontiers going ahead as far as the campaign goes, I am you know, pretty close. time and effort in, sure. but with me, I had no choice. It was passion. It was obsession. I had OCD, ADD. No, ADHD. I was just diagnosed with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like at the beginning of this year. Shit. And I was like, I got ADHD. <laughs> you know, I've read lots about it. But the thing is, is you're the last one. And yeah. So my friends yeah. were saying, you paid somebody to tell you that? <laughs> we could have told you. We could have told you. And I'm going, yeah, I know. If I had like a buck for every conversation I interrupted, I'd, be, I'd have a house in Bermuda, you know? <laughs> That's what I, I, I teach. And I actually made that rule our last 
last meeting, I was like, can we all just please just speak without anyone interrupting? And then before the next person could agree with me, I interrupted them. And I was like, well, you know, like, well, at least I know where we're starting. So I'm not going to follow my own rule. If See what I cool just did that. there? You know, it's like, yeah. hey, look, there's, kids are born learning machines. You know, they're oh, sitting yeah. there going, we saw what you just did oh, there. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. I mean, and that, actually, and that's how I learn. It's like... That was it. Like, I was lucky enough to have somebody who, ex who exposed me to your show of shows. Monty Python's Flying Circus, you know, Warner Brothers cartoons, yeah. you know, Faulty Towers, like, all that stuff when I was little. And when you see that, when you're in that impressionable age, there's no substituting it with crap. Right. There's no right. going back to crap. You no, have there to, isn't. You have to maintain that level. And then you start finding these bizarre well, things. I like used to the say. The Fire Sign Theater when I was 12. Oh, yeah, know? yeah. Like, things like that, you know. Um, that wasn't exactly my cup of tea because that came when I graduated, after I graduated in high school mm -hmm. but but I mean the stuff that we were talking about like mm -hmm. Sid Caesar and Jonathan Winters yeah. Danny Kay yeah right these phenomenal the comedians like Jack Carter so underrated mm -hmm. he was a dynamo he was yeah. like a Robin Williams yeah. right I mean seriously and of course Jonathan Winters was the oh, prototype uh, yeah you know Robin Williams mm -hmm. um, he was inspired by the same pretty much the same stuff as I was sure everything was Jonathan Winters if you if you go see a man on like primetime television on like the Jack Pryor show having a conversation with his shoe, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I was like, that's for me. Yeah. That's this is like sent right to me as a mm -hmm. gift. Yeah. That's the way I used to look at it. How did you get a hold of this album first? Was it in the um, family or? You know what it is. You had to find things just like, hey, you know, in yeah. someone's corner, mm -hmm. yeah, in their house, you know, and I'd go, oh my god. And so uh, the whole idea of another day, another planet, I mean, I loved futuristic stuff. I liked uh, this thing that made me laugh, comedy, mm -hmm. when yeah. it was called comedy. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I think something really, really, really funny is going to come along someday and replace comedy soon, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can't be called that anymore. Yeah, it'll have to step up You can't up call anything else. rock and roll. Rock and, cool and rock and roll was yeah. invented in the 50s. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, everybody. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, gone. Gonzo. Yeah. Um, but I got a hold of it, and I remember listening to it, and it was like, I, I found myself doting on particular bits. Mm -hmm. And then someone got me or passed something along to me that was Jonathan Winters live somewhere. Uh-huh. And he was he was taking requests from people. Yes, yeah. And so if you have any requests, then I'd be happy to do them for you. <laughs> you know? And uh, somebody said, um, an elephant wrapping a present for his girlfriend. <laughs> and he goes, an elephant wrapping a present for his girlfriend. Um, Got to be the male, right? <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. And, and, but it was clean and beautiful. Oh, it was pure. It was like a thing of pure beauty, poetry in motion. They, all those guys, they, they knew how to tell a dirty joke that left oh, it yeah. up to the audience. Of course they did. Because those yeah. the best. You know, like, I don't want to hear you use the words. I want you to leave it as innuendo so that my brain will fill in the exactly. filthiest thing on the planet Absolutely. and make me so embarrassed that I have to laugh. You right. Know what I mean? uh -huh. but, but also, you have to be, you am what you is. I mean, if that's the stuff that you're good at and it makes people laugh, you, you got me, you got my vote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but the old buzzards used to say, you know, uh, 
I don't I don't like these new guys, you know, they work blue and everything. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's tapes of these guys behind closed doors at roasts and stuff and they're <laughs> filthy. Oh yeah. I mean they were working dark blue. Oh yeah. And um so I thought about it, it's like they, they're bitching about like dice clay and stuff. <laughs> and uh and you know, I wondered it'd be like if you had like um, George Dice Burns, you know, or something. <laughs> so I'm standing in a bank line with my tongue up this chick's ass. What else is that to do? When they laugh, I smoke. When they don't, I tell a joke. Oh! Oh! <laughs> That's a great bit. Yeah, it is fantastic. George Dice Burns. <laughs> uh, I, so I, See, I'm, I know the cleanest dirty joke in the world. And I told it over the weekend at a convention. I was just sitting there, and these people are sitting there, and I said, I know the cleanest dirty joke in the world. Like little Johnny Jones, that's kind of how I come off, you know, like the boy next door with no stunger. You know, hi. And, uh, and so I go, I know the cleanest dirty joke in the world. And I go, did you hear about the guy that couldn't come? Dead silence. We had to go get him. <laughs> <laughs> But see, I used to do stuff like that when I was like, you know, before I was 10 years old. (laughs) I used to think of stuff to evoke a reaction, but it was not well received. (laughs) You know what? And especially by my own friends. Really? Yeah, that's something I try to explain to people, and I didn't get much readout on it. But me and Tom Kenny and uh, Anthony Cumia, who was a radio personality, and uh, George Lowe. Who was the voice of Space Ghost? Mm-hmm. We're sitting there, and you know, and I said something about how if anybody here feels like they've got talent and they don't know what the hell to do with it, or you're bursting co- to contribute and you don't know where to start, well, here's where I started. It's like you go home, you're constantly sitting there, how to dream up something cool to show to your friends that came from you, not show and tell. Like, hey, look, you know, <laughs> look at these sunglasses, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. No, something that originated organically from you that was you're hoping to elicit a reaction, usually laughs or just, whoa, you know, something something cool. Yeah. And you go in front of them and there's no readout. You do something and it's just like they just look at you. And I used to say, I'm inadequate. I'm, I'm like malfunctioning, you know, because I'm nothing, not even a boo or a yay, just nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'd go home and I'd work on it and I'd keep trying and trying. I wish some adult could have stuck his head into my world at that time. Some really cool adult, not right. just your average, you know, full of shit. <laughs> when I was 10 years old, I was convinced that, that most adults I knew in my heart of heart were full of shit. Sure. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I was a very, like, a little cop, a little detective, <laughs> watching, listening, watching, because it would serve me later on in life. Of course. But... Um, you know, I wish somebody could have come in and just said, listen, it ain't you. It's them. Yeah. It's not you. Yeah. You know, how would you feel if every day you had to go out and somebody, there's this, uh, you know, you would be a constant and painful reminder of what none of them will ever, ever be able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, how would you feel? Right. I said, no, not too good, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, the same way I feel when I go watch, like, movies and there's somebody that's funnier than hell. And it's like, I just want to be that. I wish I could be that. Yep. But you never get the chance to say anything to the guy. Sure. You wish you, But that was, like, nebulous. That was a dream to, 
you didn't even dare think like that. Like, how on earth am I ever going to meet that guy? And you know what? It comes to pass that I met almost all my heroes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, not many people can say that. No. And they said, don't. No. Do not. Like, yep. whatever you do, don't yeah. <laughs> meet your idol because yeah, you'll be disappointed your, your undying adulation and love for them could turn into abject hatred <laughs> so far that theory turns out to be bullshit on my show at the very least that's, oh, yeah? that's the purpose of this well, show well you have me. good taste I do have so, good taste that is true no. but I understand that like there is that that absolute fear and you know growing up as a kid myself with just tons of fear and OCD I and totally anxiety thought, yeah 100% yeah I just I, didn't know I had it I thought yeah. I was judging what they say my insides to everyone else's outsides. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, in my twenties and thirties and even forties, I said maybe I'm just a pussy and I can't like deal with life on life terms. Yeah, yeah. But it's not even like that. I finally got help, and the woman. Women have always been my best teachers in mm-hmm. life, by the way. Hundred <laughs> percent. And um, and she saw me. She was very compassionate. She said, "Tell me about what you do in the morning." And I said, "Well, I get up, you know." What about your career? I said, everything is going like so great. It's it's incredible, and yet I have no reason to silently celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't even think of, of like being happy or content because I'm fighting this other thing that appears out of nowhere. Like what? And I said, I wake up in the morning, I'm doing okay, and all of a sudden my breath gets staggered. Mm-hmm. Like, like, think of something, just something from 28 years ago will pop in my yeah. head, yeah. and I'll go... <gasps> Like, I'm reliving it again. Mm-hmm. That's OCD. 100%. Yeah, and then I felt like there was a sort of Damocles over my head because I felt I was in nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. And my mind would run wild with this stuff. And she's looking at me, and I and she said, and then what? And I said, I go in the shower and turn on the water. All of a sudden, this black cloud just crushes me down to the floor. I have, I just don't know what to do. And I go, I fetal position, and I look up at the drops going down the glass and said, I can't go out. I can't go out there. Yeah. I just can't. I can't. Nobody would understand. But but then I said, well, you know, don't worry about it. Everybody has this happen to them. Somehow they pull it together. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so she, she had a tear in her eye and looked at me, and she was shaking her head and slowly, and she said, Billy, nobody has to live like that in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? So she sent me to a pharmacologist, and I, I actually was treated Mm-hmm. For all these things that were just a way of life. Sure. And you know, and and I wanted. Whose ass do you kick when you find out at fifty that you had chronic low-level depression and mm-hmm. that you basically your whole life right. could have been a write-off. Right. But no, because yeah. I knew I could a b instantly. What's good and what sucks. Yeah. You know, people forget people that have normal feelings and don't have in, uh, lacks of chemicals and stuff. I mean, what is it like? What are you born without? Like a dollar eighty-three cents worth of chemicals mm-hmm. you know and that's all it is sometimes right. but you have to have talk therapy because of how you conducted your life as a result yeah. Uh, yeah. of having to deal with those things um, but I mean that's that's basically what it is no levels of endorphin mm-hmm. oh nothing just the thing that makes you <laughs> fe- give you a sense of well being right. who needs it oh nothing <laughs> yeah I have Doritos who needs that that's right well some people I love talking about this stuff because every time I go to a Comic-Con, you know, it's like, why is he 
bumming everybody out with his <laughs> stuff. And I said, because they know everything else about yeah, I me. Mean, like, yeah. I on. offered up, I sure. offered myself, I put my and, pajangas on the line, you know, in public. <laughs> and honestly, what's going to help more? Re- repeating some piece of information that right. takes six seconds to look up on the internet or something that might actually connect with somebody who's going through the same thing. Well, exactly but there's a right. certain kind of person, usually, that winds up with this stuff. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of them are sitting right there in front of me. Yeah. And, and I have people... Like looking like they're gonna cry yeah. when they look at themselves, and you know, it's like someone had to say that. Otherwise, there's despondency. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, you know, just there's help. You know, seek, be a seeker. Mm-hmm. Just keep going till you find what it is you need. Yeah. Talk to people. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And I said because it's murder. And I said I know a lot of you are sitting there saying the same thing. Yeah, you know what, Billy? It is murder. And uh, so people thank me. Thank you for talking about that. I go through it day in and day out. Um, Like a lot of people, not a majority, but but like a good amount of people have those kind of problems. Well, and I mean, that's that's another thing, too, is like we at the Robin Williams tribute that we did over the the weekend. We're talking Mm -hmm. a bit about Jonathan Winters, because obviously that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So and we didn't dwell too much on mental illness because we didn't want to talk about it in a fucking live show. But I love getting into it. But just because we were talking more about his career and we had this little motherfucker right next to me. And I don't mean that's not to insult him. This guy does the most intensely upsettingly good robin williams and he looks exactly like him really who is it his name is jamie costa i'll oh, show you the video the after. youtube video it's okay upsettingly good yes. upset like he was born with it but also really? can imitate like you know you can look like him but if you so can he's suck sort of like the von meter of uh of robin williams absolutely right but at the very how do you even know that reference is what i want to know <laughs> hold on where am i saying i was gonna pull something out to embarrass us all it's been on for dinner like one of my seven copies of the first family do you have yucca Puck? Uh, I, Yucca Puck's on here. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> is Yuba, Yuba the Tuba on here? I, that one is not on there, but Yucca Puck is the first song on the thing right there. That one, I love. <laughs> Here's the comedy spot, Rob. That's the comedy spot, Baldy. <laughs> I was out with Tickles last night. Oh, you should have been there, Rob. <laughs> yeah, we just did this one a couple weeks ago. That fucking album is weird as oh, shit. Oh, for corn's sake, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for crying out loud, buddy. But do Dick Van Dyke impressions like 80 years too late. <laughs> He's still around. Maybe, it's so you know, great. it's fine. That's what I, I met him once, yeah. I, Did you? Oh, sure. oh. yeah. I, that was probably my favorite thing on the on the Jonathan Winters album is mm-hmm. his impression of, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, not Bela Lugosi, but. Um, Karloff. Karloff. Yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just, and he just goes into it so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. It's just so fantastic. Well, you know, that makes me think about the. Um, the albums where they had impressionists doing, you know, the first family, like the Von Meter yeah. records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the story of Von Meter, in case nobody knows, is that, you know, he was an impressionist and he had a damn good John F. Kennedy impression. So that was his golden ticket, as they say, in Wonka land. You yeah. know, he found his horse and carriage. Yeah. And he was just being so popular and making great records as the president and the first family with other impressionists. And then Kennedy was assassinated and it's like, the rug of life pulled out <laughs> yeah. from underneath him. Yeah. I think Lenny Bruce's line was, well, Von Meter screwed. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Died, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like him. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, this guy that does Robin Williams, you know what? If he's doing it, it means he's got the spirit of crazy in him, oh, which yeah. I applaud. Yeah. 
He'll yeah. find his own voice. Yeah. He will. He's got to reinvent himself. Of course, and, yeah. And stay true to what he feels. We were actually talking about that exact same thing on the stage. I mean, I wasn't trying to give this guy advice, but Rick Overton's on stage, and he's not one to shy away from giving people advice. Mm. So Rick Overton was just pumping advice into this kid on stage. And well, it's like, Rick is, is exactly just one right. of the best I've ever seen oh, yeah. and one of the smartest that I've yeah. ever seen. I oh, just yeah. I just sit there. I, I hold all these people in real high esteem. Sure. I'm not like a snob that... You know, uh, I don't want to get into that, or you know, or secretly angry because somebody's funnier than me. I mean, right, right, stand up right. is a really hard thing. Oh God, of course, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. I no, thought no, I could, either. but you know what? Uh, I would get on, go out on stage with no material uh-huh. because I felt like there was nothing, at, nothing at stake. Yeah. If okay, I okay. was just spewing out twelve minutes that it took me three years to get together and write and, mm-hmm. and hone it, right? I just, I, I wasn't afraid to die. Yeah. That was my problem. Yeah. If I was screwing around and I found something I was divining for brilliance or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> if I found one thing it was worth it to me to find something that nobody had covered or, or just a certain way of uh, presenting something that was just really different. Yeah. But you don't have time for mistakes. Sure. Is it Was it easy to recognize how different Jonathan Winters was even as a kid, though? Like that, that, Absolutely. Yeah. What was it that like immediately set it apart for you? Um, if you can identify it, that might be... Well, let's put it this way. He wasn't London Lee uh-huh. or Stanley Myron Han- Handelman. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, the comedians that would come on uh, Merv Griffin. Sure. But when Jonathan Winters came out there, it was an event. Okay. I mean, it was like... It, it, it resonated. The emotional resonance that came from a television, a cathode ray. Yeah. And... Uh, that was not wasted on people like me. And most people, because they were pretty much smart about stuff like that. Sure. There were some guys that just were sort of boozy, you know, <laughs> hey, everybody comedians, and, right. and people that just didn't even come from that street. Mm-hmm. They just came from, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like a skyhook brought them down and left them off, and then right, came back right. to get them, Absolutely. and it was over. Absolutely, yeah. That was the one thing, too, is that Rick Overton was talking a bit about that Jonathan Winters, to the very end, was pretty lucid in there. So it's not like he was. you can't call this crazy, even though he's, you know, he's been, he was pretty open about any mental illness he had. But, yeah. like, it's not like he that's was. what this was. Well, Red Skelton, same thing. Sure, yeah. You know, they'd have to get him out of a tree. Oh, man. And Jonathan Winters, pretty much the same thing. Like, he would float away mm-hmm. like helium. He'd get into a persona, zip it up, and disappear. Yeah. And uh, very hard to retrieve. Yeah. But I mean, it was because there was a part of him that was reticent, that that was sort of afraid to be who and what he was. Mm-hmm. And I certainly understand that. Sure. It's a safe, you know, the shoreline's always right within distance if you're if you're mimicking or or you got a thing that makes people laugh. Yeah. Um, but to get help helps you reinvent yourself into more of what you needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Is there something specific about mimicking? Is it a comfort thing? It is, but it just came natural to me. I didn't think much about it. Oh, hi. Oh, I had a great idea. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know I'm going to Dublin next week. <laughs> yes, I know that. Thanks for that update. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. So I slipped him some ridiculous thing. Oh, it must have been $10, you know. And, uh... So I got all the way back to the hotel. Gee, they were just like they were burning on me. And um, my wife said, uh, what's the matter with you? And I said, well, I got some pictures. I want to get rid of them and give them to a buddy. And uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I said, um, here, here they are. And what they were were statues of the museum there. Clown had given me the shaft. <laughs> 
Uh, and, of course, I got the shaft in a number of towns. But I just want to warn you, if you ever do get over there, why, well, you know, just be careful. That's all they are, it's just those statues. It means nothing, you know, unless you dig statues. I, don't... I find them awfully cold. <laughs> um, but... I crawled up in the arms of a big one one day, and the guy took a picture of me. <laughs> that was the first time I went away, but... Uh... I'm trying to remember. you got to refresh me, because sure, I sure, haven't sure, heard sure. it in a million oh, years. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Uh, well, the, there's... Uh, side one is just entitled Opening California, and he talks about uh, San Jose and pronouncing it St. Joe's. Being a little confused. That I remember that, you know why? Because when I first came out here, I saw La Cienega. And I said to my friends, you know what that means, don't you? The Cienega. <laughs> See, that's brilliant. I, I got so much mileage for about eight seconds after LeBron James came uh, on the scene in the NBA. So yeah. I turned to all my friends and I was like, wow, LeBron, you know, actually that's a very famous name. It's French. And they go, really? What's it French for? The Bronx. <laughs> yes. Well played. See, that's and it. everybody looked at me like, what the fuck is your problem? You know what, though? You know what it is? It's, I hate to say this because your friends certainly aren't swine. There was a saying called pearls before swine. You know, it's almost like if you gave a, if you gave a caveman a dollar bill, he would wipe his ass with right. it. He might have a revelation later. Yeah. But what you were doing was time-release humor. You know, maybe... The Dristan or the Contact cold capsule will exactly. work for them later <laughs> yeah, in a 24 hour cycle, right. or it won't help them at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, no. Dristan. There's a lot of stuff on here. There's Igor and the Monster. Mm-hmm. Yes. The I Lost Island. Oh, when he does yeah, the B movie picture, guys. That's great. Uh-huh. Do you know that me and Tom Kenny did a, a cartoon called B movie? Mm-hmm. It was part of. Um, oh, yeah. Transylvania. Uh, no, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. uh-huh. and Tommy played the flying leatherneck hero you know with the scarf and the leather jacket and right. the you know I don't know if we can take on these people you know he was doing his best um, you know phony baloney uh-huh. hero yeah. pretty boy mm-hmm. fighter pilot and I'm the tail gunner and my name is Jersey <laughs> and after after anything I said I would say the word hey you know like uh yeah, well, all the ammunition's gone, hey. <laughs> but that's a New Jersey thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, hi. <laughs> mind on my money, on my money, on my mind, I got my mind. There I go. go. Nice. Only man who can make a phone call interrupting a show work. Thank you so much. And and the record scratch on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding? That was oh, yeah. the best part of it. That was the best part of it. All I know, he's about to drop some shit now. <laughs> Pretty hip, huh? I'm whiter than white. You know, I'm like, I'm not even white, I'm clear. As Bill Murray once said to Larry Bird. <laughs> I, what was George Carlin's? They have people so white that they're blue. Yeah, yep. a little bit of their anatomy. Yeah. Anatomy, anatomy is pretty prevalent. You, know, that's you can just see everything. You know? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see, I made a few notes about just some good bits on here where he's just... Oh, we're talking about... Go, there's just one really funny bit where he's talking about going to a movie and how you bring your snacks, your blah, blah, a box of clothes. There was just this line. Oh. A box of clothes was yeah. the funniest line to me, and I don't know why. But, that's, but that was him... <laughs> 
that was him taking divine dictation. That's yeah. the only way I yeah. can put it. Like whatever broadcast center that that was aiming towards him, and he had the only receiver in the world, mm-hmm. or one of the few. Yeah, that's what would happen. Yeah, yeah. you know, just something would pop out. But but he also he walked on a net. He lived on the net. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, without one underneath. I meant the line. He walked yeah, on yeah, the trap. Yeah. The what do you call it? The, the high wire. High wire Thank act. Yeah. <laughs> that was, no, yeah. that's him. And yeah. I think like people like Eddie Izzard are kind of tuned into that same frequency. Yes, they are. Because you can tell like like especially in that like the going to mm-hmm. the movies bit. He he was like, okay, this is when I go into the list, and then he just you see his brain literally leap right. three feet out of his head, and he's just like, I'm gonna come up with things on a list. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you got your popcorn, your milk duds, your bag of clothes, <laughs> you know, your lobster thermidor, your right. you know butterfly net, you know, and like, and he just and he's going, and he and he comes right back to the movie thing, so yeah. you don't even notice. Right. And and that's like Eddie, Eddie Izzard. Sometimes he'll go off on something, and he's coming up with a list, and all of a sudden there's toast and jam and whatever the hell it's else before it comes back to yeah, but but he'll always. But I think Jonathan Winters probably had a loose sketch of what he might do. Sure, yeah. yeah, I don't think he ever did it the same way twice. And and that's what's so amazing is like listening to these bits is you'll hear people do stuff on albums and they'll trip over themselves or have little catches or whatever. Mm -hmm. He, you know, this is all coming stream of consciousness, and there is not a lag. There's no filter. It's going right from his brain out of his mouth, and it's incredible. Well, he, um. I don't know. He he would scan everything and everything for its uh, potential for being personified, personification. Like you know, oh, a little blue bird, you know. And he would just start messing with it. And there is a little bird here, and it's like you know, tweet stole all its ideas from me. Twitter, <laughs> you know, you can't see it, but and it is blue. It's it robin's blue. egg blue. It's yeah. ceramic, and it's real cute. <laughs> Too bad if something were to happen to it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you for breaking it. I just broke your bird. You know, I mean, that's pure Jonathan Winters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what, what I was noticing, too, is just like, if you look at, if you were to try and break this down, if you felt like it, the premises are so, so incredibly simple. Oh, yeah. Just to give himself so much room to play. Well, he would say, you know, that he'd demonstrate in like one minute a hundred things you can do with a pen and pencil like yep. what they can become mm-hmm. uh, yeah those bits on there I remember a lot of them and it, it made me think like that pretty much early on before I uh, before I put together things mm-hmm. the way most people are supposed to Yeah, you know like uh, I can remember like I have a hard time remembering movies I remember certain parts of them mm-hmm. because that's what I fixated on. Right. I went to see um, I went to see the Deep Blue, mm-hmm. that beautiful film about the divers that were going down so deep, no one had ever gone that oh, okay. without equipment. Mm-hmm. And they would just go, you know. And uh, this one guy fell in love with a dolphin mm-hmm. and everything, and I didn't like pay a whole lot of attention to the dialogue. Yeah. You know what I was doing was watching the sea in its different forms, mm-hmm. and I got lost in it. Yeah, and so I'm watching this peripheral corner of the movie. And somebody, how'd you like it? I said it was beautiful. You mean like the plot and the characters? No, it was just <laughs> beautiful. I was lost. Yeah, <laughs> No, and that makes perfect sense. Is that that's where if you have that certain type of brain, that's just how shit's gonna work for you. Um, did, 
so when you first started doing comedy and stuff, were you at, at any point inspired directly by Jonathan Winters, or were you just your own thing? When you no, first it just kind of it had a tendency to try to be that way. Because uh -huh. when I prepared um, written material, mm -hmm. it just wasn't funny. Okay, and it wasn't coming from me totally. It was coming from what I thought I should be doing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was yeah. like there's a disconnect there. Sure. You want this unbroken, pure connection to your mind, your heart, your body, and your soul. Mm -hmm. It should be, like, sort of joined up. And then it rings true to people. Yeah. Um, Louis C.K., you know, I mean, he couldn't spend the rest of his life, life imitating George Carlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he said it himself. Yeah. yeah. And he did. He did a great Carlin. He was doing his best Louis C.K. doing George Carlin. He yep. was never going to be as good as Louis C.K. was going to be, and he was never going to be as good as Char Carlin's going to sure. be. Right, and you'll so, become a footnote to either one, right. yourself mm -hmm. or yeah. him. Yeah. The other guy. There, yeah. I mean, he even plays, he, he somehow makes hay out of, the lights go out twice in this album. And he just somehow, he gets a laugh both times the lights of go out. Of course. Yeah, because he's dealing with it. You know? And that's one of those things that I saw, and, and you notice when you're like a young comedian, you're stealing from people. It's like the, the shit that blows your mind is when you're like, wow, this is just something that I know is not planned or yeah. anything else. And he's got the audience still right, or she's got the audience right in their pocket. Yeah. And I mean, and holding on to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I watched Gregory Hines do it once. You know, like, and you see it in bizarre places. I went to go see um, Twelfth Night, Shakespeare in the Park in New York, and Gregory Hines was playing Feste. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden, the sound crapped up, and the sound went out. And there was a technical problem, and all the lights went. And he had to riff as Feste. I Holy mean, like, you couldn't shit. do it all in Iambic Pentameter. Oh, of course. But he stayed in character for, like, three and a half minutes. Oh Very God. fertile ground You there. got it. That's... But he went for it. He, he went, and he dove right into the audience. First row. Uh -huh. I got rich New Yorkers in the front row. Let's make fun of these people. Awesome. That's, that's part panic. Mm-hmm. And that's how you overcompensate for being mortified, you uh -huh. know? Uh -huh. And so, okay, I think I'll dive into the front row. <laughs> yeah, and he, but he started with the material. You know what, and give up show business? Yeah, you got it. I started broke with both wrists and yeah, my ankles. and then he had them, and by the time it came back on, he just seamlessly went right back into the lines, and everybody gave Good him this God. giant, almost standing ovation, you know? Because he never, never let it drop. Well, see, the thing about Jonathan Winters, something like that happened to him, happens to him, and he doesn't have the standard what to do if mm -hmm. this happens or mm -hmm. that happens he wasn't his brain was not concerned with those things right because you know once you've set boundaries like one night something or other is bound to happen yeah. so I better be prepared with like some witty coin sure, 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 dialogue sure. Yeah. or something yeah uh, hey I just made that up <laughs> you know um, it's it's almost like most comedians had something ready yeah like a standard mm -hmm in show business was like the Henny Youngman thing you know he's like uh, I solved the parking problem I bought a parked car and if you heard a door slam he'd go and stay out right of course yeah, you know yeah, I mean yeah. but those were like mm -hmm. they knew exactly what to do when little junk sure. happened in a club yeah you know broken glasses or right. whatever mm -hmm. yeah but I feel like Jonathan Winters any of this was an opportunity to play. Yeah. Yes. Anything that happens. Yes. Yeah, why do some, a, why do a, some old hackneyed bit when yeah. there's a chance to do something new in the moment? Why? Know? Because most people couldn't handle that. Though. Yeah. That well, kind of fucking yeah. pressure you would think on somebody, and I don't know the specifics of his mental illness. Uh, I just know that that would kill me. I don't. <laughs> you talking about Robin Williams? No, no, just just uh, Jonathan Winters. Like just being able to. I don't know. The you know, there's a common theme of here of all these brilliant bastards. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's 100 You know, I mean, right. I can raise my hand. Uh mm huh. -hmm. 
Well, I didn't have screwed up brainwaves where I needed to kill people. Right. <laughs> Luckily. You know, or animals. But, but I mean, I was in my own way through no fault of my own. And it makes you behave certain ways. For sure. And a lot of it is destruction. Yeah. Destructive. Because mm -hmm. somehow you don't think you're good enough, no matter what. Of course. Yes. You can't hear laughter when they're roaring. Mm -hmm. And even if it is laughter, it's, it's not even, getting to that thing where it's not, not the right kind of laugh. Yep. But you, you know, know uh, yeah. do you know what I realized early, early on? That even Robin Williams uh, would fall into these places when you, when you listen to him perform where he was he was um, not confident in his own stuff so he was notorious because he was sort of a fast-forward thief sure sure, he, sure, sure. he claimed that he was so quick that if he heard something that he didn't know whether it was his or someone else's mm -hmm. he even stole the title to his first album no, reality no. what a concept that was some schlubs bit <laughs> you know that was it all he had that was yep. it oh. and he used to say you know Robin, why and uh, Robin paid him of course of course yeah, yeah, yeah I mean he paid him a lot of money sure but, but I mean, uh, that's that speaks volumes about how even he was like unsure if what he was doing was working. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's a great uh, temptation mm -hmm. when you panic. You know, you just grab some line, see sure. if you can get a laugh. But I was not like I said, I was never afraid to die. Sure. Yeah, some nights it would be like brilliant, and some nights it would be like going <laughs> to hell in a twisted metal <laughs> fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Greased pole to hell. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's kind of comedy. Do you know, are there, just off the top of your head, are there any, because he actually does, he actually even breaks down and talks about impressions on this, which I think is fucking fantastic. Mm. Going from Walter Brennan to JFK is a really good bit. Like, just like, <laughs> yes. you just have to do this, and it's fucking fantastic. Well, those were the guys who were observant, observant enough to pick up and invent the impression of someone in their time. Mm -hmm. Like we always, Cary Grant never said Judy, Judy, Judy. Right. Yeah. But you know who did? Hmm. Larry Storch. Oh, yep. right, 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 yeah. You know, Judy, Judy, Judy. You know, and that was because the, the rhythm of it would commit you to the laugh, just the pure rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. And um, and that it hit, and it was the way Cary Grant would speak anyway, because it was almost like a Gatling gun. You know, when I saw those two big, beautiful boobs, I knew that I was in trouble. <laughs> you know, like, declarative. I was just watching some Like It Hot, and I'm like, I'm watching uh, Tony Curtis, and I'm like, that is the worst impression I've ever heard. But he makes it work. God yes. damn it. I know. Well, that's just, you could apply that to cartoons, too. Oh, yeah. Even a lousy impression of somebody is a voice no one's ever heard before. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm not afraid to do that. Like Nixon. In Futurama. Yeah, mm -hmm. so great. Well, that bastard drafted me in 1970. <laughs> and um, and they were stenciling my name on the footlocker. I, in the draft lottery, I had number 30. Mm -hmm. I was going to go to Vietnam. So, um, so I went nutty and tried to drink tons of seawater, you know. And, yeah. and uh, what else? Take a tablespoon of linseed oil and give yourself a temporary heart murmur. Whoa. None of that worked. But what did work was... I had hypertension already, and I had the flattest feet. They would suck the floor if I was barefoot. <laughs> you know, they were just flat. And uh, so I got out. But, I mean, that was, that was harrowing because I just got out of high school. I was playing in bands, had a guitar, 
shaking my tush around, you know, in spandex, <laughs> spandex pants, and you know, I didn't even have any lines. I didn't have to pick up girls; they would just be right there in your face. <laughs> and I was a bad boy. I drank and did a little drugs, sure. you know. So it, I was cross addicted. But for some reason, these girls wanted a project. <laughs> they needed a project, you know. I know I can, you know. It's like they think they're Pygmalion. You know, and I was like this smashed Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> Ew! I gotta get on stage, you see. Ah. Oh. Um, you know, but um, but Nixon, you know, that whole thing is I didn't have to go there. And so, let's see, cut to a million years in the future. You know, to this very day in the Nixon Library on a complete um, loop mm-hmm. is all the shit that I did as Nixon on Futurama. <gasps> really? His library. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I they're redoing the whole, they're redoing the whole library. That's fantastic. Oh, they'll probably take it out because I've made reference to it a million times. I've told what a bastard he was. <laughs> oh, you know? no. I mean, I'm sure they'll they love it because they're trying to update it. Can so I tell you why I did that, though? Most uh-huh. people just are like, Why? Or just, it's beautiful. I don't know. Maybe he did that or something. Uh-huh. But no, he never did that. I saw the debate between him and John F. Kennedy in 19... What was it? 60? Is it 60? 60. Jesus Christ. 60, right? Yeah, yeah. it would have been. Yeah. On TV. It was the first televised presidential mm-hmm. debate ever. So it was kind of significant. And they had these close-ups of Nixon, like as close as they could get. You could see his pores opening and closing, letting little fluid out and the hairs that are inside of them. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Ren and Stimpy gross close-up oil paintings (laughs) of like his tooth, or you know. So anyway, here he is, and he's like, "I don't uh, see why America can't be." And while it was going on, he was sweating, and his. Five o'clock shadow was coming in at like two fifteen, and he was like, "I started to look at him, and I said to my mom, Mom, he looks like he's gonna turn into a werewolf.'" And so I, I, I sat there. You know, it's like Larry Talbot. You know, whatever you do, no matter what you hear, keep the door locked. Why do he sound like a Southwest Indian Mexican? I think it was a thing back then. It's like it was good to have sound like you had crackers or cotton in your mouth. Somehow, I don't know why. Yeah, well, Winston Churchill, Alfred Hitchcock. I didn't know he was a role model. You now get to the annoyance (laughs) that interrupts all this art with what they call the commercial. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that made you more important than you were. Yeah, you talk like a hamster. (laughs) But, but, um, but I mean, there it was playing in the museum and, um. That's amazing. But I mean, I did that because he really, truly looked like he was gonna break out and into like like cantophobia. What do you call? He got it. Yeah, you know, Lucan. He was very Lucan towards the end of the debate, and I just thought he was, you know, my fellow Americans. I would have got more votes. Then the writers on the show wondered why they said. Why, Why do you do that? Do that, that <laughs> Aru thing. And he says, don't, don't, and he don't ever stop don't, don't because do we it. love it. Right. And we're looking for ways to just put it in everywhere. <laughs> writing it but in. But they also followed suit with their version of Agnew, who had no head but could yeah. still go, Arr! 
one you of know, my favorite Futurama bits, the headless body of Agnew, which is just, I think it's brilliant. It is. Oh, yeah. It is. There was so much that you could comment on in that oh, show. It was everything God. and anything I ever dreamed of being part of on every level. Mm-hmm. As a matter and, of fact, somebody said, what's it like, you know, to just like hear your voice coming out of everywhere on TV and radios? And I said, it's surreal. And the problem with it is... Um, I have to pretend it wasn't me that did it, otherwise I'll rip myself to shreds yeah. with self-critique. Yeah. You know, if I hear it, it's like a lot of times I don't go back and listen to stuff that I did. Mm-hmm. If it's like radio interviews or even this, you know, it's like I don't revisit it that willingly because because I'll, you know what it is? I got a hot mm-hmm. and a soul, see? <laughs> and and if I say stuff that is just like make his, makes me get the douche chills you know it's like <laughs> why did you say that um i i can't stand it yeah and i i would have i would have done it like this or i would have said that you know you never it never clicks off you have to just no. live with it and, and you compartmentalize you pretend you had nothing to do with yeah, it yeah yeah and the worst part is is you know when you don't even have say over which edit or which take they're going to use yes mm-hmm. like a, even if you did a great job or think you did you're like why'd they use that take damn it well One. that's that's no. you know the people that you know, just have something in them that, that you drive yourself to become what you think is a superlative and nothing less. You won't settle for anything less in yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people just can't let that go. A lot of history all through this territory. Uh, my family made it as far as the higher river and just quit. <laughs> and uh, chickened out. A bear attacked uh, one of my ancestors and, you know, and that stopped. That would stop you, let's face it. You know, made us turn back for some more grits and... Uh, some more mini balls and things like that. And uh, that's what I, my, my grandfather told me. They just quit there, you know. Didn't get as far as St. Louis as this bear attacked the wagon. And, and everybody went, let's quit, let's quit. And so they went back in. Every time I see a bear, I quit, you know. I saw Smokey the Bear one time light a forest fire. That was the wildest thing ever. I'm Smokey the Bear. And the whole thing went up. You know. Didn't have a scout hat on either, but he was he was in the nude. You always, you know, they clean it up for the kids on television, put them in suits. Boy, I'm telling you, if you see one of them in suits in the Yellowstone, look out. Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Met him a long, long time ago. And I have I've had dinner with him, I hung out with him and everything. I think I have a menu from his original restaurant. Grandpa's restaurant. You got it in, in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it right if you're gonna <laughs> say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not pasta, miss. <laughs> but I was in his restaurant one time and he was there and I was eating and it was delicious. There was only a few people in there. There was like a young couple with their little daughter and there were a couple of biddies from like the Midwest. And they're just wrapping up and and they go, we just wanted to say thank you. This meal was so great and we're gonna, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And they're on their way out and then they keep ramping up, you know? It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Goodbye now, thank you. And there's like, oh, and we're gonna, you know, and blah, blah, blah. She kept like augmenting, oh, like shit. ramping up again, like right. someone does to you on the phone. They can't hear you squirming, trying to say right. goodbye. <laughs> you can, I'm trying to wrap it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, trying to wrap it up. Oh, and, and then there's somebody the, no, 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 ramps no. up again. So, so these women were sort of very, you know, they didn't mean to. They had hearts of gold, I'm yeah. sure, the both of them. But he's going, yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. 
And it's like, bye. Bye. Door closes and he goes, drop dead. <laughs> he was very sardonic, but he had a heart of gold himself. That whole exterior was just what you think it was for. Sure. Probably protect his own sensitivity. Oh, yeah. But he told me he never watched the monsters. Really? He said he never looked back and watched the monsters. Mm. You know, he, besides, it wasn't out of vanity or, or he was just uh, too afraid to, to see it and hear it. He went on to become an NBA talent scout right around that that. time. That's interesting. And he discovered little Lou Alcindor. Oh, my God. What? You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. yeah. He is an NBA talent scout. I know that. That's That's crazy. I know. And you know, he was of height to play basketball. He always looked like this little Yeah. Well, no, that was just him next to... um, Fucking Fred Gwynn. Yeah, exactly. But Al was a six-footer. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I said, Grandpa, what's the secret of life? You know, he was about 94. What's the secret of life? If anybody knows, you do. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, yeah. Well, and he says, you got to do what you love and love what you do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's laughing. and uh, I just learned so much from guys like that. To me, they're like these missing wonders of the world. They're the missing link to, like, our past sure. in sure. show business mm-hmm. and comedy. Yeah, yeah. You I know. hate that I don't have a link to vaudeville. That I don't have any direct link to vaudeville. In what way? To interview, like somebody I could plop down. There are a couple of hundred year old guys who might have an idea what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, but oh, I know. Else. But anybody who participated's got to be long gone. No, of course, right. I know. You but know I mean, you, I want you, something with somebody's son, yeah, somebody's I mean, daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's that oh, guy's like, uh, name? Like Freddie Jessel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Or Harpo's son. There you yeah, go. There. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, adopted. He doesn't count. That's a joke. Is. I'm kidding. No, they weren't all adopted. <laughs> Loco right Marx. No, they weren't all. <laughs> Loco Marx? Yeah, yeah, there was so many Marx brothers you don't even know about. <laughs> Gummo. Gummo and yep. Zeppo. Those were the... Zeppo. Yeah. There might have been another one. Anything? Like, uh, yeah. Just on the stage, right? Gummo was just on the stage. Correct? Yeah, I don't even think Gummo did much Zeppo's on the stage. The... No, I think he left way before they ever had a career. A yeah, movie Zeppo career, right? was in the first movies. Sure, 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 sure. That's when there were the four Marx Yeah, but you know, it's like... A couple of the apples fell real far from the original tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, not all of them land right in that orchard. Some of them do a cartoon turn in yeah. midair. <laughs> you know, fall into another orchard. Yeah, fall on the back of a turtle and go off somewhere. But those three drove everybody nuts. Oh, they made a... And Margaret it was like their Dumont. little private p- playground, oh, batting yeah. people around like toy mice when they were boys. Yeah. Yeah. And Makes their sense. mom encouraged it. Oh, yeah. Apart from Margaret Dumont had a restraining order against them. Because they used to go to her house and just like do donuts on her lawn or move things around. So she was like, I you have, have to You might have to explain donuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A you know, donut is um, when you get a car and you just decide to keep your foot on the brake and all the way down on the, the gas, gas and, and let it go right, and turn, turn the wheel. all the way to the right or the left. Circles. And I'm going to pollute the air and ruin my tires. Yeah, you That's got hilarious. it. So yeah, they used to do it on her lawn. Wow. Apparently. Why though? I because, don't know. because you just said it. Because they were sons of bitches. <laughs> Apparently, they used to show up to like they, they would show up on set two hours late. You know, like of Groucho course. would show up first to be two oh, hours, or he would show up at two hours late. God. Then yeah. they would wait another forty-five minutes. Then Harpo would show up. Then forty-five minutes later, they get tired of waiting for Chico, and the first two would leave. Then Chico would show up. Oh, yeah. So it'd be God. half a day before anybody was actually all together to shoot anything. Smelling like sex and right God knows what and else. gambling. Funk. That's, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. Three different kinds of perfume. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah. that's what Al Lewis told me about Joe E. Ross. Did you ever read about him? Mm. No, oh, I only God. know a little bit about him. There's, wow. a, there's a website, and you got to find it. It's called um, uh, 
it's like he was the biggest slob really in the world and uh, <laughs> and it's something to do with that but I I wish I had the name so you could just look at it read about this guy mm-hmm. and I asked Al Lewis I said hey Al you know innocently because I just didn't know what was Joe E. Ross like he was um, you know Gunther Tootie uh, on Car 54 yeah which is like a brilliant sure, brilliant sure, sure. show and he was on Bilko and he was on yeah, Bilko, Bilko as well. um both Nat Hike and Scripps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Al Lewis told me, there was nothing like a Nat Hike and Scripps, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I said, what was Joey Ross like? And he said, just as dumb as he looked. <laughs> uh, well. I'm dying. I'm dying because I know exactly. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Because he couldn't remember his lines. Yeah. Nat, he drove Nat Hike into a heart attack. That's what it says in the article oh, that, really? that he tried so hard and he and he wrote all these beautiful lines oh, and Joey Ross couldn't remember couldn't get through it. So he had this like like someone stuck him in the ass with a pin <laughs> look on his face <laughs> all the time like ooh ooh. <laughs> Oh, and of course, it worked better than Hiking could have ever dreamed. Of course, but yeah. the guy was so hands-on. This was his baby. Yeah. So was Bilko, and and Joey Ross was like a slob, and he'd have hookers in the dressing room. He married the eighth hooker. Oh, and I said, "What was he like, Alan?" He goes, "He married hookers." <laughs> Yeah, he didn't even tell me the half of it. I only got, like, so far with him, and I read this wow. article, and I was, like, going, oh, my God. That's wow. incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm supposed to make this about probably me or something, but... No, this is, what, this is the good stuff. This is good. Um, yeah, we've talked about Jonathan Winters. Plenty. What's your name? Fry, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I don't know who I am, but but I but I just read this article, so I'm so, like... In the moment, something mm-hmm. that happened last night, and it said that that one thing that almost killed everybody was that they were on the set. The sponsors wanted to visit the set. You know, they were all excited. They got the show and everything. Good. And uh, they went stopped by to see dun, 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 Joey Ross, <laughs> and the door was a little bit open, and someone came in, and they said all you could hear was screaming in the hallway, and people like getting out of there as fast as they could. He was masturbating. Oh shit! The sponsor. I mean, that's what you live and die by. People jump off buildings over stuff like that. Oh, Woo. God. Ooh. 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 I was. Was it good for me? <laughs> Oh, wow. I love those stories. Jesus Christ. But, you know, that's the junk that... That's the grist for the mill. Mm -hmm. It is. And, like, unfortunately... And here's, like, the sad part. It's like, like, that's great Hollywood lore. Yes. But, like, where are all the great stories about Sid Caesar and your show of shows? There's plenty. And there are. There are great. But thank God. Um... Oh, my Calypso players. Wait, there. wait, wait, wait. So that was a dud. That bit just lied in the ditch and died. <laughs> I didn't even get you Roll. saying. I paused it before you did the funny the funny voice, yes. uh, unfortunately. So, uh, What's the matter with you? You're not I'm, supposed to keep everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, none of my business. What if it was, what if somebody what are you had died? I don't know. What are, you uptight? are you an alcoholic ex-nun or something? I am. I am no issues. I'm as OCD as we were talking about earlier. I am, uh, yeah, 100%. That's no, awesome. no, I know. I, it's I, just, it, you don't want, you didn't want to screw up your, Product and yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't indulging care. me. I don't it's care like, hey, this. man, he might uh, throw a gutter ball. You know, <laughs> I gotta watch out for him. I don't even know him. Worry about ruining this. You know, <laughs> me. You know, there's a real quick bit on here, and I don't mean to derail us. 
Actually, no, actually, it's no. not because I know. I'm, I'm re-railing. It's re-railing. Um, <laughs> there is one bit. His voice, where he's doing the. It would be an offensive bit, but it's not because he's making fun of movies. Where he does his native chief, and it sounds exactly like every Frank Welker old man voice that I've ever heard. And it really <laughs> makes me wonder if. I just wonder if that. It could just be Frank Welker's natural thing that he does, but just coming from that bit, you know, that coming from the back of the throat. Everything of, comes from somewhere. Sure. Everything, but including so much like it, Jonathan Winters. He was exposed to that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says it. I mean, almost everything he bites off of, he's like, oh, it's like so-and-so or yeah. this guy or yeah, yeah, this yeah. person. And he does this weird hybrid. Of Cultural yeah. references. and But but he put it in his own blender. And so it's like there's nothing more unfunny than like an impressionist doing dead-on impressions. Right. With no invention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. or, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, Buying corn in a grocery store. It might sound something like, like this. this. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, prepare for all the oxygen to be sucked out of the room. Yeah. You know, and impressions. I mean, give me one Beatrice Arthur for every Christopher Walken. You know, give me. You oh, know, God, right? Yeah. Right. Um, Walter, I'm going to wrap my legs around your head like a cheap turban. <laughs> Ma Blanche. <laughs> we had her on Futurama. Did you? She was the oh, femme pewter. Right, oh, holy shit, right, yeah. duh. She was with us. Oh, God. That's fucking fantastic. She, she did a piece of acting that brought tears to my eyes with one word. That's how good Miss Beatrice Arthur was. Yeah. She uh, was the femme pewter, and they exposed her for what she was, and why did she do all these things to everybody, for what end? And she looked like she was, the machine looked like it was going to cry. It probably had two, like, diodes or mm-hmm. things that look sort of like eyes and and she just she looked up and went why like she was gonna cry I remember that and then she snapped and turned on them but but it was like it was so heartfelt yeah it was just so it rang true with me she's amazing yeah and yeah. I'm real sensitive to that sure, stuff sure great acting and I mean, B. Arthur, Jesus Christ. That's fucking fantastic. So funny. I mean, like, even, like, the little, stu- you know, you can talk about Golden Girls, you can go back earlier. Sure. Even her stupid bit in the History of the World Part 1. Oh, yeah, right. You know, like, it's great. It's great you know, and it's just, just so perfectly her. And, you know, like, in Maine, oh, she's better than Lucille favorite. Ball. My you know, like She's oh, the best yeah, thing yeah. in it. Yeah. She's just amazing. She could do anything. So, I mean, like, her, her sense of humor was so specific and so evolved and dead on. Yes. All the time. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Did Futurama, I have to imagine it facilitated you meeting some of your heroes. Yeah. Or am, am I wrong? Am I on crack for imagining? Um, well, Pam Anderson. <laughs> you know what? Uh. And we're done. <laughs> no, no. You know what? No, I, I, I had to turn that into something because everybody, even the geek guys, uh-huh. were like Especially losing. Especially the geek guys. Yeah, but like, hi. Oh my God. Hi. And when she came oh, to do the no. show, we're in the recording studio, and I'm like looking around, there's all this like ruckus going on. It's like, Miss <laughs> Anderson just came in the front door. <laughs> you know, uh, Swordfish the Land Shark. This is, you know, Miss Anderson is about to enter the recording studio. <laughs> and um, okay, okay. Pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. And she didn't walk in imperious or anything sure. like that. Like you're supposed to kiss her ring or genuflect or avert your eyes. <laughs> she sits Don't. down right next to me. And nobody was saying anything. And I just looked at her and I said, Miss Anderson, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's this tape going around. <laughs> <laughs> 
And everybody's looking at me like, like what is he doing? Do you, what do you got, Tourette's? You can't. You have to say something always. But the thing was, is she cracked up laughing. How could she, she not? Did. Of course she did. She cracked knows. up laughing. Oh, she was married to rocker Tommy know, Lee. Otherwise, see, that separates him from every other Tommy Lee in the phone book. Rocker, rocker Tommy. Tommy it's the right. obligatory, a positive, instant identification of who or what the hell he is. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, you had to say, like, Rocker Tommy Lee. Otherwise, you're like, that nice Asian boy who lives down the street, Tom Lee, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're so nice. No, yeah, no, the like other me. guy that looks like the Tabasco devil. Oh, the old Rocker Tommy Lee. Oh, yeah, all rockers yeah. have that right. picture the in the there. They bring it to the, yes. yeah, they bring it to the, uh, the barber here. And yeah. They show him a picture of the Tabasco <laughs> devil. Right. I want this I want and that. nothing less, yeah. or I will beat you senseless <laughs> with my drumstick. of skin in, in the beard. As it's that. Cheesy pirate look, you know. Oh, Nothing says party like the cheeso pirate look, Captain Morgan. That's the best. Yeah, bring a picture of Captain Morgan to the beautician or your makeup artist, you know. What a great thing to say to her, man. I would have That's loved to have fantastic. done that just to, just for her to start laughing and go. It's like, so you know this this Kim Kardashian then, huh? You heard yeah, of her? Right? Yeah, yeah right. I don't know. I think she'd probably be really big. Know. <laughs> Who knows nowadays? Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm came in to do Olive, the other reindeer. That was a oh, yeah. uh, Matt Groening production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and Joe Pants. Of course, oh, of Joe course. Pants. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, that's good. You know, I was talking to him about getting divorced, and he says, he instantly, he's incensed, and he goes, Billy, stay married. <laughs> stay married. You can do whatever you want. You know, but in other words, from personal experience, he probably got wiped out uh-huh. of pocket uh-huh. maybe a few times. Well, that's why uh, I was doing a, um, I did a pilot reading uh, a number of months ago. That's something that John Cleese had uh, uh, helped write, and uh, all the people who were working on it all right, were all right, like, all right, oh, fuck you. right, so John Cleese, is that, well, I wish I could have you know, met him, too. Yeah. That would have been neat, but it, they were just like, oh. John Cleese is working on a pilot, and and of course, like the three other guys in the group are like, yeah, well, he's getting divorced again, so he needs to make some money. I was like, oh, so every time I see him doing something new, it's like, yeah, he's getting yeah, divorced. Well, look at Shatner, you know, doing game shows and promise margarine commercials. I promise. <laughs> to eat promise margarine. You know, everybody's gotta, everybody's gotta wear the dog suit. Yep. You yeah. know, at some point, I did. Yeah, when I worked in radio, they said we gotta have our mascot go down to the record oh, store and promote literally... the station. And it's like they got this flea bit and dog suit. And I <laughs> said, all yeah. right, <laughs> you know. And I go in, and you gotta wear the dog suit. You gotta do I'm it. Sorry, it's very hard to avoid that. Hey, as I look down, um, I noticed that I'm having nipple erections. <laughs> a little cold. Well, would you like me to turn it off? No, throw another log in the air conditioner. I'm, I'm an all-the-way guy, you know? I don't go halfway. I want it to the extreme. We're going to cut glass with nipples later on. You can stare at those two things all you want, and you're not going to see any milk or any semblance of it. Only a dream until now. Milk. It's easier to get to than some other appendages. <laughs> Uh, Did I say that? No. Uh, I'm no. so. I think you I'm just. That. I deserve to be just keel hauled no, <laughs> by, by Tommy out. Lee the pirate. <laughs> I just found out what that was. What I didn't wait, realize what, what keel hole was. I you know, like it's one of those things. Like is 
you know, an American, I live in a city, like yep. I grew up in New York. Yeah. It's like, you can make a nautical or a farm term, and I'm like, that's cute. What is that, something with ducks? I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, you know hole. what it is. No, I don't know what it is. Oh, and they rope the you most... by the foot, you're, you're attached, you're tethered, and they push uh, you off the front, the front of the boat. The front of the boat, and you get one guy on each side, and they oh. run you along the bottom, along all the barnacles and everything. The hard way. Until you come up the back. And oh. if you live, they would haul you back. They do you And again. then try it again, because maybe your number was going to be up this time. Ah. Couldn't believe it. Oh. I'm like, that is terrible. See, that's the thing. We're doing the right thing now by explaining what all this shit yeah. means. Yeah. It's yep. education. Yeah, because, I mean, the older I got, I, if I was with, like, a younger girl or something... I always felt like a curator in a museum. <laughs> you know, like I'd always have to preface everything I said was, uh -huh. uh, you know, a long time ago, like <laughs> before you were born, <laughs> there used to be this group, you know, and they were real cool, and I dug them, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm not supposed to know. Well, at the time, it was Limp Bizkit. You ever listen to Limp Bizkit? <laughs> I go, I regret that I have not. <laughs> you know. No. It's you know, fine. I mean, I those that. guys, shit, I was, I mean, I was already in and out of bands when those guys were sitting in their own shit, so mm -hmm. yeah. it's like, it's hard for me to have any holy reverence for anybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, except I do no good when I see it, like, in, in young people. Yeah. You know, the ones that aren't the fakers. We yeah. go back to that theme of, like, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference. Sure. But, geez, I mean, every now and then you'll see an old soul pop yeah. up. I, I, yeah, like just, Amy Winehouse. Right. You get, you get to see, yeah, younger people. I said, how like, does she have this wisdom and in her voice and all these years in her voice? Um, because it's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it's like you know, Adele, same thing. First time I heard her, I was like, is this some African-American woman from... Chicago? Where's she from? Yeah, but like, when you saw her, you didn't say anything about her weight or anything. I, to be honest with you, I was amazed. One, she wasn't from the United States, and two, yeah, right. that she wasn't black. Those, yeah. those, those are the two. Okay. Those are the real look, reasons why you I, I should mean, like somebody. Well, I mean, like not, honestly, no, not because they're not black. <laughs> but I mean, but a lot of guys no one would should like anyone if they're not black. Well, okay. Like well, I'm part black. Wait, there it is. There it is. I'm a millionth black. As you, you can see, this little mole here on my stomach. My distended stomach. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, she um, is incredible. Yeah. And the thing is, is there's a lot of guys that will be like, you know, you know, you fat pig. Who cares? You know, yeah, no, I know, singer. but there are many, many guys yeah. that do oh, that. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah of course many. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, look on the internet. You want to talk about those horrible trolls and all those people making those dumbass comments. Oh, yeah. Like that, you get, that is the worst. Oh, yeah. The worst. The garbage humans. Well, uh, they, were, they were born bored. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's their hell to live in. That's your last laugh over, you know, about oh. all these imbeciles is that they're born bored. They just spend their whole life with their mouth hanging open waiting for the next big thing that they can denigrate. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind that I haven't planted anybody out there, any magician, you know, that kind of stuff. There might, uh, there might not be any message at all or certainly any payoff, but it'll be live. <laughs> This is, uh, you know, back east we have what we call the Ivy Leaguer. I'm sure you see him. I wear Ivy League suits. I also have some Robert Hall pants. <laughs> I have a Saks overcoat, Abercrombie and Fitch tie, and so I try to, you know, split it up a little bit for everybody. But this Ivy Leaguer, I've never, I don't know uh, exactly where he comes from, He's a strange breed. 
whether he is, uh, was born, oh, quite failed. <laughs> it's all over, friends. <laughs> the sun went out. Um, Too far from Grace Cathedral, am I? Well, I'll cut across and say a few before I go. <laughs> Boy, those Episcopalians need help, and I'm one of them. <laughs> you know what that is, an Episcopalian? That's a Catholic that plunked his Latin. <laughs> but it's a minority group. Don't knock it too hard, you know. Friends online, but like I speak out a lot about people who are dickheads to people because they've got as much privilege as you can possibly have, and then the internet compounds that privilege, right. you know. And it's it's just fucking upsetting when it's just like there's talent, there's talent, there's people. Yeah, you know? but the thing that bothers me is I grew up, and I was a young man, and I was you know I experienced the feminist movement mm -hmm. at its beginnings, and I actually before I graduated from high school, and this is the truth, I'm not you know, wearing my heart on my sleeve or be a feminist, feminist hustler or anything like that. But I read The Female Eunuch by Germaine, Germaine Greer. Mm -hmm. I read The Women's Room by um, Marilyn French. Mm -hmm. These were all feminists that were yeah, writing yeah. and they were angry. They were pissed off. The only one who wasn't was Germaine Greer. Mm. She loved men, but she had a lot of, she felt that they were in sore need of rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, hey, you know what? That means that you think there's hope. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, and uh, so I read all these things because I wanted to understand why. When I, when I was raised, I was raised old school. I'm a gentleman. I was raised by a woman. Um, I, I evolved. I get it. I leave the seat down, you know. Mm -hmm. The works. Yep. You know, I would stand if a woman entered the room at a table mm -hmm. in a dining room. Or if I, I would stand if she had to leave for a minute. Sure. You know, and... And I would hold the doors. And, you know, it's good for me. It's a good thing for me that I don't look like meatloaf. <laughs> I mean, at my, I'm 63 years old. Are you old. talking about the food or the singer? <laughs> well, he was one on the same. I know, it's close. <laughs> one had very, slightly very more hair. Yeah. Well, meatloaf is a product of itself. <laughs> I think. But, uh, but, you know, I would hold the doors and I would be going out with a young girl. What I'm saying is that I, you know, not when I was 63. I'm 63 now, but, like, 10, 15 years ago, I used to still go out with young girls, but they were hollow victories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they didn't, it wasn't because I told them who I was or what I did, you know, that was just like, mm -hmm. does that even really matter? So, uh, so I held the door and the girl would be there in shock, like looking at me suspiciously, like, what are you doing? I said, I'm <laughs> holding the door for you. Why? You know? And then it, 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 it occurred to me that most young guys or into this whole misogyny thing just to just to rub it in. Yeah. You know, and I was appalled. So, you know, that, that shit doesn't play with me. It never did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so now it's really funny to do rape jokes and everything. And it's like, you know, I, I just say, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a good, that's one of my favorite memes, actually. That it, it actually is, it's, yeah. It's Farnsworth and that one, and all you have to do is go put up any horrible atrocity, so yep. one picture of it, and then put that one at the bottom. That is. And I go, yep, it yeah, works every you time. you got it. Well yeah, done. but, you know, I mean, uh, but I do know the good stuff when I see it. Yeah. Let's see. Let me talk about new stuff. Taylor yes. Swift. Yeah. Katy Perry. Yeah. I was a Veronica guy. 
You know, like what, <laughs> when I read Archie comics, I was a Veronica. Veronica guy. Number one, I love trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yep, sure. You know, Taylor yeah. Swift is like secret, covert trouble, like the evil little girl that'll pee in your plants, you know, <laughs> after you go to sleep. <laughs> but Katy Perry is feral. Yeah. yeah. She's feral. <laughs> you know? Got yeah. balls. And, uh, and she's really great. I think she's brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that I... You know, I think Taylor Swift is very super clever and great, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's got a lot going on. Yeah, but I mean, to me, they're throwbacks. Yeah. You know, the old soul thing. Mm -hmm. Where did you get this from, coming up in the day and age you did with all the cultural Ooh, right. references that you were swimming in? Yeah. Of now. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of comedy or shows, is there something that sticks out to you in the same way? Nowadays? Yeah. You know, this may or may not break your heart, but... I stopped watching TV in the 80s. <laughs> no, it's probably a, a smart thing. It's no, really I seriously, okay. I did. Number one, I was a coke addict, and mm -hmm. I didn't have a TV. Well, there you go. But if you look way high up here, <laughs> it's still up there in the corner of the sinuses somewhere. Dad's iron lung. Eddie lived. Oh, Dad. You know, but... But um, but you are a music guy. I'm so trying I... to think what's funny. Um, Key and Peele. Oh fuck! Yeah, I love them. Man, I mean, it's like fuck. it's it's yeah. Little Britain, one more. Yeah, it's eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not to be like judgmental or, sure, sure. or like uh, snooty about it. No, Key and Peele. I mean, it's just like, thank God, where do these people come from? I Usually know. Britain. Yeah. Right. Right. You know why? Because it's not about crassness. Mm-hmm. Over well, there. They, they do have, I mean, like, they do have their fair amount of, you know, like, their toilet humor, but I don't yes. think they need to rely on it or but, feel but, they need to rely but, on I mean, it as much as American But, I mean, it seems do. victimless yeah. for the most sure, part. Sure, 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 yeah. I always love that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Even though I'm a mean bad mother, <laughs> you know, but I try to keep a lid on it. <laughs> yeah, like, no, Courtney keep, Love yeah. everywhere. Courtney Love in my face and everything I said. I want that in my face as much as I want a dirty, soiled diaper. <laughs> Which is what she looks like. <laughs> and I think she, she like, had people deliberately make her look like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Courtney. <laughs> right. I really do enjoy the fact that your first album was written entirely by What's-His-Name. <laughs> with the hole in his head. Oh. That's oh. where they got the name. Kurt Kaboom. <laughs> Apparently, the new documentary about him is supposed to be quite good. Which yeah. one? Really? There's two yeah. of them out. So which one? Oh, the, the one's one... called Soaked in Bleach, which is actually no. not the lyric. By no, no, the way. no, the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah, not yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The other the one. The other one. I know. Really good, and uh -huh. it's it's uh, culminating a lot of stuff, and it's not nice to anybody. Did really? They ever show him writing doll parts. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, got a little. How do I? How would I know that? How do I know that? Why do I even know that? Can you imagine? Good to know. Yeah, you I guys, guess. you guys will appreciate this because you think I believe you think like this. Is um, you know, there's always like you always grow old no matter what you try to do. And in Futurama, it's Farnsworth said, you know, gravity makes chumps of us all, <laughs> and uh, it's true. But you're going to be in a nursing home or assisted living someday. It's just a fact of life. Um, it's got a, a high every, roof. I'll be good. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, and every Thursday night, you know, it's like piano night. You know, and they have someone come in and play that generation's favorite songs. Oh, it's like, pack oh, up your troubles in your oh. old kit bag and smile. Darn ya, smile. That's what they would play, and everybody would, think, like, oh. relive it and right. come to life. Sure. 
I mean, I said this generation of like self-pitying <laughs> white fucked. people, the emo, you know, types, or you know, it's like uh, these guys that sing about like I want to be dead and all this. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, then why don't you just like invent crack addicted mother, you know, jokes or, or songs that have about babies being born in a dumpster, <laughs> you know, and you're crying. About right. what? You even had to do black lipstick on your lower <laughs> lip. I mean, how effective, how affected is that? You know, it's like the guy, the white guy that comes for money with his head in his hand, <laughs> like looking downward, like, uh, should I kill myself today or this evening? And, uh, and so I was like thinking about all this stuff and, and like there's so many followers they're going to be old too all the kids that listen to that stuff mm -hmm. and they're going to be in the nursing home on piano night and some old guy's going to come in and pull out the songbook and he's going to be like um I am in pain sing at <laughs> some Buddy, kill me. Come on, sing. You know, and they're all sitting there. I, I am doll parts. <laughs> I think Eddie Murphy did it, did it the, said that once in his bit. And it was just like, what's going to happen? Like, when our generation gets old and we're all sitting around in the nursing home, like, reminiscing, going, like, oh man, your mother could sure do the butt. You know, it's like Dougie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you like, know what? Oh, I never, I, I never heard that bit, but that's what I kept thinking about. Is yeah. like that's what happens to new music. Mm -hmm. yep. It it's becomes eventually... ancient music, and yet there are still people that that was their frame of reference. Yeah. That or, was their touchstone. Yeah, yeah, well, like, yeah. wouldn't that be one of the things to put Kurt Cobain over the edge? Like, you know, like you think you're writing something that's you know personal and, and emotive and mm -hmm. connect with somebody, and all of a sudden you get in. You know the elevator at the record company, and there's a Muzak version of the thing that you wrote. You know, yeah. and you got to listen to it going all the way up. You know, going no. really, this that... is what we went with here. Okay, I'm worried I'm going to get played out by Chumbawamba. I'm I'm really worried that on my last breath played that shit's going to be playing in the background. It'll be totally worth it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I get. Well, what do you want? What do you want played at Fuck, your I was just, I'm seriously your just funeral. thinking about that. Yeah. That's exactly. I think about it all the time. Honestly, Many rivers to cross. I know it's really stereotypical, but I love Jamaican music and I think it's gorgeous. I'm half tempted to that's, make it music that's or not comedy. Insane. No. It's not insane. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of something. Oh, like, like something you know. fun. Like for just, me, I think it would be comedy. The, though for me, the Emperor's theme. Oh, you know, yeah, from Star Wars, yeah, yeah. just looped over and over mm -hmm. again until all the flames have died down. I want a Isn't comedy that a little uh, imperious and pompous? Probably. And... I want a comedy song. Yeah. But a good comedy I wanna song. I want to have, you know what I want? I feel like. You can just, you know, if you if you can find this, mm -hmm. I suggest you just put it on this podcast. Okay. It's um, the Portsmouth Sinfonia okay. version of also Sprach Varsustra. Uh huh. Where they all switch instruments? Yeah, they're I've perfectly capable musicians. Okay, but they they're still, playing other. They're playing sheet music with other people's instruments. Everybody in the orchestra went to another the, seat on shit. something that they were at least knew how to play, and uh. they play it. And that's so funny because I did. A, I I directed um, uh, the Inspector General. <laughs> you and, did. And my opening wow. bit was. They were all in tableau, frozen everybody in the end tableau at the beginning of the uh -huh. thing, and then we had the curtain slowly rise to that piece. So it went. And the curtain is rising so slowly, you can kind of see what's happening. And the clarinet right, and it is comes like in, it's all off. It's like the little rascals, this frantic right. little clarinet that was catching up with them yeah. as they were going downhill. It's like. 
shit. It is brilliant. Brilliant piece of music. So and it good. took a bat I took the whole piece to raise the curtain. And I did that thing with like raise it a little bit and then a little bit more, then bring it down Boy, a little that's, bit. That's, that's great that you did that. It was and, and I, the audience loved it. They oh. loved the piece of music oh. and just the, the visual that went that's with it. That's the stuff I live for. It was so much fun. I love that piece. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I so, need to hear that. So, that so needs my to go frame of references is mm. pretty much like the time that were the Wonder Years for me was mm -hmm. kind of like when that album came out. Yeah. I saw Atlantis, The Lost Continent by George Powell. Uh -huh. I went and saw The Time Machine like four times, Rod Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made in 60. I think it was released in 61. Mm -hmm. Okay. And. Uh, so good. Yeah. I mean, but that's the stuff that my head was filled with. And before I went to school, we talked about before I went to school, every morning they showed the Three Stooges. So I had no use or room so for good. academia. <laughs> I had a head full of this stuff. But you know what it was? It served me better in life than anything I learned in school because anything I was forced to learn in grammar school, kindergarten, grade school, high school, would have no practical application in the year 2015. Yeah. It just wouldn't. Yeah. So I might as well have never gone to school. I was right. I, yeah. you know, I just wanted to, to listen to the Stooges to the point where I couldn't enjoy them anymore, so I began to look for stuff in the corners of the picture to obsess on, and it was Larry <laughs> chewing up scenery, so the little that he said was just like sublime yeah, to me. Yeah. Be careful, Mo. You know, and just add, and then everybody could do Mo and Curly, but no one gave a damn about Larry. It's like, hey, Mo, there's too much tinsel in the tree. <laughs> Which is where Stimson J. Cat came uh -huh. from. Yeah, and I was yeah. actually I remember seeing the first episode of Ren and Stimpy uh, when they released it. I was I was in high school and I was obsessed with any new cartoons, especially if they came out on Nick, because Nick was doing stuff that you, no one else. Saturday was doing. morning. You got it. I mean, not Saturday morning. Sunday morning. Right. They want to do everything. Network television was not exactly. Yeah. And I, and me and my brother were a hundred percent on board. We watched everything they ever did. And I remember when Ren and Stimpy came on the first time. We sat there, me and my brother with our mouths agape <laughs> like somebody how had, old were you oh i must have been i mean it could have been like 15 maybe oh you tops. little dickens you what, yeah. you look premiere. okay to me thank you what, i mean you what, turned what, out like 80, oh, like no, somewhat somewhat normal and what year did it premiere it was close to that 8990 ish uh, am i 90, on track 90 91 yeah, okay so that makes yeah, about 15, that makes yeah, perfect timing that yeah, makes yeah i did timing. i started doing them in 91 yeah okay and doug and uh ren and stimpy yeah and okay. I, I remember seeing it and i remember going to school the next day like like this <laughs> with my head looking and everyone like who saw it do you see it ren see, you know what that is that's that desperation <laughs> that i had when i was a kid i'd go yeah. to school the next day and did you see did that, you see that thing on tv last yeah. night and they go no i didn't let me let me do it for you uh -huh. let me show it and, and so it you had to recreate it so that you could hang on to the mm -hmm. the yeah. uh the dynamic the thing that made you crazy you wanted yeah. to share with yeah. everybody and i was thrilled because there was one girl who had seen it kathy you i'll never forget yeah she had seen it and the two of us for about a half an hour before school even started, i had her geeked, <laughs> geeked out and i, I had mean, her yeah we were amazed and I remember I, I, we were talking and she was like I just love the voices and I was like yeah it was so nice to hear Larry again and and she went what are you talking about I'm like Three Stooges Larry and she you went you picked right up on that that's awesome well I mean again I was I was my, my dad was showing me Marx Brothers Three Stooges yeah. Abbott and Costello W.C. Fields Harry Langdon Harold Lloyd Buster Keaton you know Charlie Chaplin since I was three awesome. so by the time I got to 16 my lexicon of like things that I could 
grab onto was bigger than most. Didn't other that kids. serve you like a zillion times better than learning what the Piedmont was and what is silt? I still have no idea what any of that crap is. Yeah, well, on my uh-huh. test was what is silt. Yeah, thank you. No, no idea. <laughs> I can tell you 100% it served him because he's one of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever met. Thank he's the only you. person I can talk to about most of this shit. Oh. About old comedy. Him? This, this motherfucker. Yeah, I, no, I got now that. Now you. I, just, I, 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 I got to well, appreciate that. Thank Christ. Oh, we're, oh now we friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting just to find out if I oh, actually liked you. Oh, we friends now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's the truth. Like, that was the yeah. stuff. That's you know? so good. Stuff like that used to make me just sit there and, and just conjure stuff. That album you cover? Know, yeah, because I had my, my imagining. We're looking at... Um, from Another World. From Another World with this... Almost like a scream queen, except she, she, uh, I don't know. It's she hypnotic, the and there's the spiral yeah. on it. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff like that she used to the make bubble me crazy. I used to go. Man. I used to go. My dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, we were at a session once. Me and Cree Summer Frank. She's a voiceover. Oh yeah, you yeah. know who she is. Mm-hmm. And Jess Harnell, the great Jess Harnell. Um, yeah. And we're sitting there, and um, Cree's got a fashion magazine. European fashion magazine until it's time to do something. I just kind of stay there because I'm paranoid that that if if I get caught with my pants down, I'll die. Yeah, yeah. Not ready. Sure. You know. But these guys are pros. You know. So she's reading this thing, and I look over, and it's a it's a pullout like a fold out page, and all I see is these Arabic, made up eyes, with like a facial the veil. The veil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it. And, I, and I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm instantly attracted to those things. And she pulls it down, and she's got these Mendy tattoos. And I was going, oh, wow. I, I don't even know if I know what that is. Those are those henna tattoos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then she's got a gun in her hand pointing it at you. Oh, fuck. And I said, my dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love trouble. I, I, I guess I just do. I don't know. It's like, it's like that great line from uh, Annie Hall where it's, you know, like, you know, when I was a kid, all the kids fell in love with Snow White. I instantly fell in love with the Wicked Queen. Yes. You know, oh, it's yeah, like that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, when I saw Black Sunday uh, in 1961. See, these are the references. I keep throwing out 62, 60, sure, 61, sure, sure. late yeah. 50s. Um, I saw the movie Black Sunday. Great book too. Which was a, um, it was a dubbed film. It mm-hmm. was, I think, it was Spanish. Okay. Was it Mario Bava? Oh, that Black Sunday. Or was it Italian? Oh my God, I don't know. The one with Barbara Steele. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I'm sitting in the theater, and I have, I'm having arousals for Barbara Steele. <laughs> Not when she was like alive before she was put to death, but they had a mask that had all internal spikes that faced towards the face when they put Put it it on on your face. And then they would take a hammer and, you know, and that would put the death of vampire. Well, she comes back and she is stunningly beautiful with coal rimmed eyes, you know, and everything. And there's something so unearthly about her. I'm getting aroused. You know, I don't, I'm not sure why, because maybe it was because it was dangerous. You know, I was an abused kid, and so, you know, I want repetition compulsion, especially <laughs> from a beautiful woman. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I have to say it that way or I'll cry. Uh-huh. No, really, it's tragic. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, sure. but anyway, here she is, and then this doctor comes in, and he's just looking around, and he runs into her, and she's got him in her tractor beam. Suddenly, there's nothing he can do. And I'm getting, like, really aroused, you know? And uh, and all of a sudden, 
he pulls off, he pushes her and holds on to her, and she's all like dead body, do you know, like rib cage mm-hmm. and leather guts and just decay. And everything. And I was basically going, you know, why can't I meet that? <laughs> you know, because I was so into monsters, you know, I was turned off by people just because yeah. of what was going on. Sure. And uh, monsters were like the thing that made me feel like I was alive inside. Feeling yeah. scared was better than feeling nothing. Yeah. 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 You know, so I, so I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I hung my identity on all the things that made me crazy when I was a kid. But I did. I flunked mathematics all the way through school. <laughs> and that scene where you're a dummy, and I was surrounded by brilliant kids who wanted to skip seven grades, you know, and said, Now we have to sit here for this. You know. <laughs> and then they say, John Winters, go to the board, problem number six. My God, I didn't know if the first one, let alone six, you know. <laughs> and you go up there, eraser, and the chalk breaks, and then they go, <laughs> There's the dummy again. <laughs> Boy. And one guy bugged me one day. He said, Boy, how dumb can you be? And I said, Well, I'm going to cold cock you when I get out there. <laughs> Recess time, I wrapped a Schwinn around him twice. <laughs> I had no blueprint for design. I had no male role models. So to see this guy in a tuxedo and a gun and a gull-wing car and these beautiful mm-hmm. European wo- intercontinental women, you know, I said, that, that, that's kind of, I wish I could be that. That's, mm-hmm. that's my guy, you know. I wish he was my dad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, same reference points yeah. from that time. And now they're making a new Man from Uncle I movie. Know. I saw that. I don't know what to yeah, think of that. I mean, there's certain times where I was like, I know what the Man from Uncle right. was, yep. even though sure. I wasn't a big fan because it was before my time, exactly really. Right. But I like, I know what it is, and I've seen it. It was the coolest episodes. show of its time on television. I'm just worrying, like, when you try to reboot something like that. Yeah. I mean, is is a younger audience who they're obviously skewing it for even going to give a damn? I mean, They'll give a damn if it's flashy enough because to them it's brand if new. If it's flashy enough, yeah. Is it, I mean, is it basically going to be like the American Kings? Is that what they're trying to do? Because if they do that, that. it might make a ton of money. Sure, that's what it looks like, too. Well, it's like the reboot of The Untouchables. I mean, same characters, but it was in no way like Like the 50s TV show, which I also used to love. One of my favorite songs in the world was written by Nelson Riddle, and it's the theme to The Untouchables. Mm -hmm. That, That big... You know, the, you can look at the album cover and they show all these shadowy figured in the dark, big city looming, and these guys had hats on and they were all like looking around. Mm-hmm. And you hear this big theme that portrays that, like, you know, there's a lot of dangerous dudes out there. Yeah. Meanwhile, they had no idea that in the future, all the little angry dudes that are on the internet and, <laughs> and just roaming around out there, angry, angry, or, or make those guys look like gentlemen. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the right. Truth. You know what I mean? They wouldn't yeah. kill anybody if it didn't have anything to do with your business. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and now it's like, you know, demonstrating once again that man is the only animal that kills for the sheer enjoyment of it, except the age group is lowered. Yeah. Right. That sounds so gloom and doom. No, no, I think it's I good. Do, I do have faith in a lot of things. Sure. Well, it still sounds like it's coming out yeah, of Yeah, when fry, I see you so guys, I go, very... look at these guys, you know? It's like 
they're not sitting there with their thumb in their nose waiting for me to do everything. You know, you guys are live wires. You're cur- you have intellectual curiosity. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, in this world, what else is there, you know? No, but I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. I really do. You know, I, wa- I want to make sure I bring up, because I'm curious, do you know, remember what the specific, the, the, fuck, my brain is just off. The Three Stooges, because I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just, my brain's not working. Uh, the Three Stooges record, do you remember what it was? Like, was it a song? Was it a bit? Like, had to have been songs, right? It was, um, they were songs, they were mixed with little bits. Yeah. It was very... Like a 45 or an LP? I'm sorry, you said it was one of those little, like, yellow... They made those little records, and they came in a sleeve like a 45, Mm -hmm. except that it had a 33 and a third hole on it. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 So, um, it was like Molary and Curly, probably in 61, as everything Mm -hmm. else I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they would go into a studio, and it was this crappy little band, you know, a glockenspiel, a snare drum, and and an organ or something. Yeah. And that was it. And me, I did a send-up of all those records once. Really? It's a, it's a record called Christmas Party with Eddie G. I saw that listed somewhere the other day because I was looking to see if you'd done any comedy albums. You should throw some of my version of 12 Days. Okay. Me and Eddie Gordetsky. Mm-hmm. Eddie G was, we were friends 30 years ago. We were two bums in radio, you know, dreaming about what it's like to be the man. What must it be like? You know, we were high as rats <laughs> sitting in the back of the radio station on our break. And I said, what? What must it be like to be the guy? You know, we're sitting there. Meanwhile, one of us knows because he's the guy. <laughs> he produces almost every major comedy show on television. Jesus Christ. With Chuck Lorre. Yeah, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, he created Mom. That's his show. Uh-huh. I don't know if he solely created it, but Chuck was involved. But, I mean, one that's, that's Eddie's like show. Yeah. Really? Yeah, one of my students who I, I teach at the high school for the arts, she's the youngest daughter on it. Really? Yep. Yeah, you know, it's the three year Well, she knows Eddie. Yeah. And Eddie always had a flair for the time release joke. Uh-huh. He really did. It was like, you know, he would uh, he would leave an answering machine message and it would be like, Hi there, please leave a message. And whenever you got his phone, you heard that message. But what I didn't know was he changed it every day. <laughs> and said the same thing. <laughs> and I didn't notice the little various differences because he had me. But but only a certain type of person can think that way. Yeah. Of course, yeah. You know, he was it was always he offered up a laugh. Mm-hmm. He was one of those guys. You know, he was just insanely funny, born with a funny bone in his head. But I mean, we were just like two guys in radio trying to rip it up, and we did some really really cool things, which was in opposition to the wishes of the program directors and the myopic, uh, yeah. you know, uh, administrators. And, uh, you know, and I grew up to do what I did, but it, it was all because of the stuff that inspired us. You know, we used to listen to Eddie Lawrence records, you know, the old mm-hmm. philosopher. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of that? I don't. It's that guy that we go, hi, you bunky. <laughs> you say you've been walking around, you know, and, and he tells this story about the sad and woe. He says, you know, while you're waiting... You don't have no money for tinsel, so you're waiting around for Grandpa to sneeze on a tree. <laughs> Is that what's troubling you, Bunky? And then there would be... He's like, well, lift your head up high. Keep that chin up. Keep it up. Keep it up. And go out there and take a flop on the ice and never give up. Boom, boom. That ship. It was a, it was a whole routine. And it was great. He's this crazy nut. Eddie Lawrence used to do, um, he'd be doing the news or 
you know, radio news, and then he'd say, and now it's time for the dog and cat report. And and he would like say, and you dogs out there, you know who you are, <laughs> you know. And it was like the surreal held the ultimate fascination yeah. for the both of us. We loved Supercar, the puppet show. I've never oh, seen God, that. Yeah, yeah, you, you're that one, no. I've heard of it. Yeah, you got to go watch it. It's yeah. it's like that's surreal. <laughs> Supercar it was an English puppet show. Okay, it was um, Jerry Wait. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Who did Fireball oh, XO5? Okay. Who That's did Thunderbirds? Okay. Who did Stingray? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All those creepy English puppet shows. I yeah. mean, that stuff was more important to me than like passing any test or, or you know, having a social life. Mm. Yeah, because how, what kind of a. So I, back then, comic books, mm-hmm. I loved comic books, needless to say. And uh, I had about one and a half friends. And I had no common interest with any, just about any other guy anywhere. But I heard there was a kid on the other side of town that had comic books. And I didn't even know where he lived, and I found him. <laughs> I was like a, like a, like a homing pigeon <laughs> right. or a truffle pig. Right. You know, Just there's truffles on the other side of the town. All I need to I do is go within the area. Cheap color ink. <laughs> comic books. <laughs> I knew it. And I remember his name. His name was... I shouldn't say his name. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. I'm sure he's still into comics. Probably. I know I am. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, I am, and I've and I've lived to see the day where I was in comic books. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I even was drawn as myself in Mad Magazine when I was doing the Stern Show. They did a parody really? on the Stern Show. And I see me with this puppet... With the New York Yankees cap that I used to wear, one of their artists drew me. I was so flattered. Yeah, of course. I was so flattered. I mean, Fuck that yeah. stuff was like canon Ugh. to me. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. That yeah. is incredible. Be drawn in Mad Magazine. Yeah, but I mean, my sense of humor was pretty much shaped on junk that I read in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there was a beautiful panel cartoon by a guy named Dave Berg. Yep. And uh, the lighter side. It's the lighter side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And so you know. It's, it talks about, like, um, you know, a woman will spend hours in the mirror before she goes on a date desperately trying to look sexy, and when some imbecile responds to the stimulus, it's like, you pig. <laughs> yeah. But basic truths mm-hmm. of this life. And guys, you know, it says, uh, you know, there's always a good name for a drunk. You know, like jolly old Ed. But it would always be fat old Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that was a basic truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it took Mad to, to like set you straight. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was so great. That was an altar boy. Okay. I knew the mass in Latin. Go figure. You know, and then all of a sudden I said, you know what? I, I spent all this time following these stories when I could have become a scholar of the Brothers Grimm. Right. Forever you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is it kills me. Uh, I probably know more about religion than most people. And the stuff that I hear come out of people mm-hmm. representing God. Oh, it's the worst. And, and again, it goes back, like, I was a religion major in college. You were? Like, oh, sure. In and what, what, what? A comparative religion. I was just, I was into everything. It's like, oh, what's this about? What's this about? How, what's the difference between this and this? The Hasidims. Right. What are the, what are the Sophardics. Branch, the branch Davidians were big at that time. Sophardic so, so good. Waco. Um, yeah, Sophardic so good. Um, but yeah, with... With religion, it's uh, it's just the most fun ever. And Carlin was one of the best people to talk about it as far as comedy oh, was sure. concerned. You oh know, yeah, it's yeah. Just like, you know, like religion is nuts because you'll have this guy who's describing God. You know, and he does that. 
All right, first you got your all-powerful god there. <laughs> all-powerful. He can yeah. throw a boat right over a hedge. That's how strong he is. All right? First all-powerful you got. And he knows everything. You know, and like, you want this guy to be describing you? Really? No. You know what? I A, a real-life situation, I was always questioning everything. Nothing made sense to me. That's why I was more attracted to fantasy and whimsy and, um, you know, picturesque, picturesque, whatever, you, you know, meaning silly and playful. Mm -hmm. um, because nothing made sense to me. I was in parochial school, and I, I got out, and I was, like, going to the bathroom in one of the rooms and, and took a drink, you know, and there was real old oil paintings on the walls of these places. I mean, they were real old, mm -hmm. and they were oils. Some of them might be probably worth a fortune if you could go dig them up today. Sure. But there was one of the Garden of Eden, and they showed the apple, and they showed the serpent, and Adam and Eve. <clears throat> and I'm looking at it, and I'm studying it and studying it, and a nun happened to come by. She was older. Before I, d before I say this uh, story, I better take a drink. <laughs> Billy West is taking a drink of water. Yeah, the one at my feet fell over, but no matter. The cap was on it. I filled the air properly there, right? Oh, very nice. Okay. So, so yes. anyway, she comes by, and she's watching me stand. I'm just standing there looking at this thing, and she goes, what's so interesting? And I turn around, oh, oh uh, I, this painting. Yeah, what do you like about it? If you do like it, you know. Real, like, come out with her dukes up, yeah. you know. Oh, God. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah, why? And I said, well, because there's some things that, you know, I mean, I know the story. And, um, you know, God created Adam in his image and likeness. Um, and he took 100 pounds of clay from the earth. And I'm... I felt stupid saying these things because I never set them back to anyone. It's like, you're supposed to take that and pound that into your little skull and yeah. you better remember that, buddy, because there's going to be a quiz. <laughs> you know, and so it's 100 pounds of clay. That's right. You know, and it's like, and then um, he fashioned it into man in his own image and likeness. That's right. And then he formed Eve from, he, God took a piece of Adam's rib, which became personified somehow, I didn't say that right, somehow, <laughs> you know, from the clay to, you know, prime. And uh, she said, yes, that's right, and formed Eve. She said, what, so what's your point? And I said, why do they have belly buttons? Woo! 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 The anger train coming at me. Woo! <laughs> Woo! This angry tea kettle spewing yeah. and screaming. Oh, shit. <laughs> You know, and it just it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because every painting I ever saw them, they got nice little... Yeah. yeah. Not even the lousy ones that get pulled out by a, by an impatient doctor that's yeah, like... Yeah, no, 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 just nothing. Yeah. Just beautiful little innie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Nope, makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's a great one. Well, this might have been painted three, four hundred years ago. Yeah, you can just... And they didn't it. even figure it out. But some stupid kid in Detroit going to parochial school, you know... <laughs> 
Ooh, that kid. <laughs> Nothing ever changes. Now it's the same thing. You know, I gotta watch what I do, like in front of housekeepers and stuff, because if you piss them off, they'll write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, now you don't even need to do that. No, but you I mean, it's like camera in the corner and you I, tape something. I think of my housekeeper. You know, if I ever did anything wrong, the next thing you know, there'd be a book. There always is, mm-hmm. and it would be called Oh Mita Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like how do you spell that? You know, <laughs> yeah. there's probably uh, how it sounds. It's it's got that. Um, well, it's not Castilian because there's no in it. Exactly. Okay, it's like through closed teeth. It's disapproval. <laughs> yeah, because um, I knew some uh, a Puerto Rican family, and one of the daughters was drinking a little too much coquito at Christmas time. And uh, Coquito is like heavy duty. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mother's sitting there and she's watching somebody get like stewed and she's just going, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's just like, I, I love that stuff. It's the stuff of life. Oh, yeah. It's the rich buffet, you know. That's the best. Of life, lingo, oh, people's yeah. attitudes and everything. It served me well, you know. Yeah. Like I said, why did they even bother going to school? You know, I did go one year at Berkeley College of Music, but it wasn't even a college then, it was a school of music. Oh, before it was even part of college, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was a school. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I wanted to be playing music. I wanted to be on the road. You know, I didn't want to talk about it. Mm. Sure. But then look at that. I was smart there, too, because all the people who make hit records, all the rappers, you know, they start out taking their award and they go, I like to thank God, and God is up there going, don't pin that shit on me don't thank me for that I took that day off I went fishing I don't know who you're talking about I don't have anything to do with this yeah right I can see it every year you know oh geez it means I gotta go to you know another (laughs) galaxy or something and hang out with people that are intelligent um and uh, you know it's like they don't even know what a G clef is or a treble clef and it's it's like that's the highest award you can win in music Mm mhm and so I'm glad I didn't spend any, waste any bullshit time at uh, Berkeley. Right. Yeah. And I went out and I made a living as a musician. You know, I wanted to be like the best guitar player in the world. Sure. Sang. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have, uh, we didn't have roadies. They, they just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You gotta do it all yourself. No, this was like the uh, mid to late 60s, early 70s. And you broke a string, you had to sit there. Either sit there like a fried egg so you figure out how to change it or I would launch into voices and noises and all that <laughs> stuff and it became apparent to me that sometimes the people liked that better than they liked the music yeah. I mean when they were plotting for us they were plotting for the Rolling Stones or, right. sure, sure, or sure. whoever was out there at the time because we were doing covers right. but you so, added character by just but I, th- I just thought it was illegitimate compared to music you know, sure, sure, I, that's sure. how clueless I was yeah 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 I mean, it makes sense. I I had no idea that that was something that was viable, right? And that I would actually go on in life to make a living at it. Yeah. I didn't go to be famous. I didn't go to be rich. I I never thought for a million years that you could ever achieve that. Yeah. I was just bursting to bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. And and all of it is a result of the albums we're talking about, and the TV shows, and um. Is there, if you were... I consider myself extremely fortunate. You mm-hmm. talk to anybody, Tom Kenny, we talk about this all the time, how how grateful, how much gratitude we have because the odds of this are a billion to one, and sure. I know it. Yeah. And uh, that we're able to continue working 
and that I haven't had a break from working for 30 years. Yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of people that can say that. That's why all these schlub celebrities want to do what I do for a living. Of course, of course. You know, because they want to keep being relevant. Right. And so they have no problem with their anemic voices, you know, being used for cartoons. <laughs> they, they're just who and exactly what they are. I wish I had that liberty. Right. Life would be so much easier if I could just go down and be Billy West for anything, you know, talking toilet or bottle of bleach. <laughs> What's wrong with my nasally flawed, plain vanilla voice? <laughs> that's that's like belabored and drags like a you know a cart with three wheels. That's the funny thing. Like you're saleable because you're recognizable as a star, whereas you gotta be a chameleon, and that's the fucking talent of and it. And also, it's I would I would much rather as a fan of all this stuff. I would much Try rather and pick people out. Well, no, it's not even pick people out. I would rather have somebody whose voice is suited to the character oh, as opposed to somebody who wants name recognition, which has nothing to do with the product that they're trying to sell. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, like let 100%. Batman be Batman or, or yeah. Daredevil or whichever character, Invader Zim or whoever it is. Yes. I did I the pilot it. for Invader I know, Zim. I know. I love right. Somebody was too. talking about it. I didn't think anyone could possibly even remember or know that oh yeah well I mean the, the guy who drew it uh, used to do this comic book called uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac oh, yeah. which I yeah. was a big fan of so when he went over to the animation I was like ooh gotta go check that out wait who did the rest of the series my brain is just totally shut off though. Uh, you mean who actually mm-hmm. well there was that kid um, Jonan Vasquez mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he didn't want me to be Invader Zim after I did the pilot because uh, he said that uh, I was overexposed how dare this little son of a bitch who hasn't proven a thing say I'm overexposed. And I realized, you know what, he's right. <laughs> so my friend, intensely, incredibly genius, talented Richie Horowitz did it. And his oh, right. interpretation go. was gold to me. Yeah. I was thrilled to death, you he's know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would much rather hear people who know what they're doing and embody the character. But I love people automatically assume that there's a feud attached to everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what happened when? How did you feel? <laughs> right, right, when right. They did this. It's like what that one of my best friends got a job. Yeah, yeah right. It's fine, believe me. Yeah, I don't give a dismal damn who gets what. You know, I don't covet something. Yeah. When someone else is doing it, go, I could have got that. Do you know how prevalent that is in oh, like, sure. live oh, action world? Yeah. Yeah. I could have, that could have been mine. I could have done it. Of course, anyone could have done it. Yeah, you know, yeah it's right. like Spencer Absolutely Tracy right. said, acting's the easiest thing in the world. Know your lines, don't bump into the furniture. Yeah. 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 Boom. And be able to uh, fake sincerity. Yeah, that helps. Oh, 100%. Because when you can fake that, you can just fake anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh... That ain't the quote, and, and I wish I hadn't tried to steal it. <laughs> We uh, towards the end, we like to always have people. If you're gonna recommend this album to somebody, let's say, because some of our audience, I'm hoping, are younger people who don't know shit about comedy. That's fine. That's what I like. So let's say they haven't heard of Jonathan Winters or don't know him from anything. Well, saying they don't know shit about comedy is a little antagonistic. You, <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta cajole to them a little that's what I'm bit. Like to do. when I was like five. I'm hoping there are a lot of five-year-olds listening to this. I didn't Me know anything too. about comedy. Me least, too, especially you know? after some of the subject matter that was <laughs> hey, cherry-picked by my brain, my evil hey. side. Uh, so, what we like to tell them, like, if you're going to recommend this album to them, having never heard Jonathan Winters, what's what's a good way to condense why this album's good to listen to? Um, not that it would matter to a lot of people, but this is a man that could come out in front of a bunch of people. He had no instrument, he had no loops, he had no beats, he had nothing, and magic emanated from him because of his brain firing synapses in a magical way and that's what he has magic 
And it's very intimidating when you're up close and personal to someone who has true magic. Yeah. It makes you like, you don't know whether to shit or go blind. It was like my friends, you know? Yeah. Growing up, they, they don't have magic. And you did. Yeah. And it's your fault, you know? And suddenly that you're not to be spoken to or, you know. But if you do want to see that, there's lots of places you can see that. Watch a guy like Heifetz, you know? Go on YouTube and watch a man with a piece of wood, cat gut, a bow, you know, some strings on it, and, and create magic with an instrument. No special effects, no nothing, no pre-programming, no touch of a button, anything. This is a human being. Yeah. That's, if you want to see that and you can deal with that, you know, that's where you'll, that's where, that's something that'll, you know, just uh, set your hair on fire. I yeah. mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't go back to the other stuff. No, you know, it's like you one, can't. It's, it's like you've looked over the fence, and I'm like, this guy is a comedian. Like, how do I go back to you know Dane Cook when I've seen this? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. I mean, and Dane Cook is a lovely man. I'm sure. I don't know him. Nope. Anyway, but I mean, like, and and I love. Now, Jonathan. would that be like a, a Danish? Epicurean chef yes. or something? Yes, yes. that's what um, he meant. Yes, a, uh, a Danish, Danish chef. Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not as funny as the Swedish no, chef, not but funny. Like no, not, not even. Not, funny. Lot, lot not even. Right, more of a laughing on the inside. A lot more tragic. Kind of a chef. That guy, um, no, but, but that's just it. And like one of the things I love about uh, uh, Jonathan Winters is like you can see it's a mad, 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 mad world and mm-hmm. see a, a, a little bit of that. Sure. But it's a scripted film and he had to stay very much on the rails. But when you, you see... know they let him oh, run wild. Oh, you know, wild. of course. Of course I mean, especially when you see him doing physical bits, like when he's on the bike and, you know, you're just literally, mm-hmm. you're like, how is he managing to stay up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you see him on The Tonight Show yes, or fuck, you see yeah. any of those clips where you know the twig. when Watch it is the totally twig. different, when he steps out from that couch or even when he's still sitting on the couch the look on Johnny's face or whoever <laughs> it is is totally different when Winters is going than any Anybody other else. comedian yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right there is there is almost it, it's like watching somebody getting ready to jump out of a plane mm-hmm. yeah it's like something wholly unexpected is going to happen and we've all got to well, be it's ready like, for it's it. like looking at a burn victim you, you I, I, I can't I shouldn't but I must but I have to I mean I, like, I can't not look away but look at how interesting this is so we've just yeah. compared Jonathan Winters with a burn victim jumping out of a plane yes. so that's, not that's necessarily well, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure define burn victim yes define airplane I, I, leave, I leave it up to both of you Good, that is not you. my responsibility ah. oh shit um Boy, to be continued. Yeah, right? <laughs> Do you have anything to promote? Thank you for being here, number one. Yes. My pleasure. All right, I mean, uh, Thank you're, you. you're a hero of mine. Oh, I, thanks I, so much. So it's, this is a fucking honor. But yeah. we've, we've talked about you as far as Animaniacs is concerned. Oh, and everything. Futurama everything, a billion times. But you're finding out who my heroes were that, that put a tilt in my kilt. That's you know? exactly right. And that's what this is about. Those so. guys are the knees knockers, you mm-hmm. know, the, yeah, when I meet them. Jeff Beck. Mm-hmm. I met Les Paul, yeah. Stan wow. Freeberg, wow. Don Messick. Yeah, but Stan uh, was one of my heroes. That's amazing. And I worked with him. Did you? And he Son told me, you know, you know more about me than I do. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I yeah, said, yeah, but yeah. how did you do all of these things, you know, at yeah. that time? He says, well, I was a young guy. I had a lot of energy. Yeah. And, you know, those are my heroes. Yeah. Who went just for the pure love, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And had to figure out how to market later and be slick and clever yeah. that way. Do you uh, have anything coming up that I yeah, can I let do. people know about? I have a podcast that I just put up. Ooh. Awesome. Yeah, it's the Billy West Podcast. Cool. Good name? Yeah, BillyWestPodcast.com. All right. It's also on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And 
It's clean as a whistle. <laughs> yeah, right. I want to sell a show, well, you know. Of course, of course, yeah. Cling to my vulgarity. No, it's <laughs> art, man. No, I mean I can. It's it's a challenge to just try to be silly and surreal or, or uh, impressionistic or whatever label you want to throw on it. Yeah. But it was just like there was just stuff I felt like doing and saying, and yeah. that didn't necessarily. Not like I was soliciting for laughs or anything sure. like that. It was just, it's a lot of it's just silly. Yeah. And then I wasn't afraid to do it. And uh, so, you know, I hope people listen. They're, awesome. They're like, one of them's like 40 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, I know some of these little buzzards like go on for 17 minutes. <laughs> I know. What? That's the show. What? That's it. Does that make me a bad man because I went for 17 minutes because there's no parameters on uh, the internet and cyberspace? There's no, oh, okay, 29 minutes. Right. You got to be out by 30. Yeah, yeah fuck that. No. Really. That's not good. No. See, what about that's Twitter? the beauty of all of this stuff. Twitter? Yes. Um, Are you just uh, at The Billy West. At The Billy West. Yeah. Who's the motherfucker who stole At Billy West from you? At Billy West? Yeah. Did somebody take At Billy West? Somebody must have Billy West instead of The know. Billy West. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's like all Somebody that we're going to steal, they stole awful stupid. You know, what about at Alec Baldwin? Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? It's a bottom feeder. I know. Billy West seems to be popular. This is the age of the internet claim jumpers right, and the yeah, wildcatters. Right, right. yes. and, and if anybody wants to get in touch with me, I am at Humphrey Bogart on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you should be now. I'm, I am What's at, your real one? Why don't you promote oh, that? Oh, Jeremy Guskin. I'm the only one. I have no Google gangers. No, and nobody on mm -hmm. the planet, as far as I know, has my name. So That's amazing. Jeremy Guskin. I'm that on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, everything. I don't have to do any weird, like the real or yeah. old one or nothing. There are other Jason Kloms who are my exact same age. Really? Exact same age. That's because that's not a last name you hear a lot. No, it's and, not. Oh, and please don't ask me John K. questions. <laughs> I mean, think of it this way. Do you really want to bring that mountain down on yourself? <laughs> you know, there's this one kid, he doesn't get the message. And I keep telling you, know, he's like, why do you hate John K.? Or, or like, when you were doing, did you hate John K. then? Or Everything has to <laughs> no. do with John K. And I said to this kid, you know, I would, I would really appreciate it if you didn't extricably, inextricably <laughs> link me to John K. <laughs> you know, I said, I, I kind of have a little more happening than he does. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe you want to ask me questions with my name in it. <laughs> That's okay. You know what it is? It's like this, I got to straighten everybody out. Yep. I'm just as no. bad as... Those cartoons where it's like, you know, some kid is up all night because someone was wrong on the yeah, internet. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 Done many Talk about like the serenity the... <laughs> prayer being not available to them, you know? Uh, holy uh, shit. yeah, handling the hard No, but I can't, I can't straighten everybody out, but, no. and I'm not their Republican dad that wants to teach them a lesson <laughs> and all that That's shit. That's what your podcast is for. The you podcast start straightening is people just, out. No, it's like, it, it doesn't have any victims, it doesn't, That's it's good. not like trying to teach people a lesson it's just yeah. it's whimsy yeah it doesn't call yeah it's whimsy you don't call your listeners uh idiots or whatever i called them earlier right which is not what i know but i almost folks. called the show hey stupid <laughs> <laughs> i seriously thought i even had a theme song alice cooper had a song called hey oh, yeah. stupid <laughs> hey 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 stupid <laughs> Nice, you can have it if you want it. I'll take that. I might make that my ringtone once I pull it off of this. Hey, stupid. I'd like to hear that every time my phone goes That would be a great ringtone. I know. All right, well, everybody everybody needs to follow both these guys on Twitter. You can follow me if you want to. You can find me. I'm not going to tell you what my name is. I'll find you. You'll find me. Listen to Billy West's podcast, Oh, come on, say it. 
It's, Say it's it impossible. because I don't want to hear any whining about it. I All mean, right. I feel like an first, equal here. First initial last name, J. Klom. J-K-L-A-M-M. I was going to say as it's spelled, but, you know, as it sounds. But, no, right. J. Klom. No. I'm J. Klom everywhere, which is stupid. I should have gone by something interesting. That nobody can figure that out. Right, like Dracula Bulldozer. Exactly right. Yeah. At Dracula Bulldozer is where you will find me right. soon enough. I love you because you put yourself last. <laughs> you just remind me of me. No, no, no. Everybody to. else comes Every, first. You do your thing. You yeah, women, to. it's like guys are idiots. They don't learn uh. until the... Till, like they're really old and, and to find out what a girl really wants so it's all about saying yes yes no yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm second right, right, your right. pleasure comes first yeah i get that yeah your multiple o's and all that other stuff you know come first anything as yeah. long as i get to multiples <laughs> i think i will quickly promote even though this is a, a ways down the way uh we have a parkinson's benefit uh, coming up here in Burbank, October 21st, 2015, called the Million McFly March. Come dressed up as Marty McFly. I will be there, uh, and it's to raise money for Parkinson's. Uh, will you be there, That's, Jeremy? I will I'm, be I'm dressed as, as Doc Brown. Well, of course, because you've played or Doc as before. 3D. It's very noble. Jeremy has played my Doc, and I have played Marty on stage a number of times. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's one of the I reasons I wanted to do this. I time to do plays and all that cool <laughs> stuff. Oh, you can. Come on over. We won't pay anything, but we'll, you can come to our yeah. show every month I, if you that's like. That's not why you would do anything Oh, I know. Believe me. It's so much fun. It's so much you fun. You would have got a bill for today. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> what was this? 100%. A couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. You know the yeah, Teamster. Like, Teamster. Are we in golden time for podcasts <laughs> yeah, right golden, now? Golden Shit. Podcast yeah, this Son is, of a uh, bitch. It's not safe harbor, exactly. Jen, hawk one of the cars, please. You know the Teamster telling a bedtime story to his kid? Once upon a time and a half. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, on that note, uh, thank you for being here again. Oh, it's my an pleasure. Honor. Thank you so much. Thank There's you. no camera here, but I'm shaking the You're hand shaking. of the man. Yes, and I get the one. other man. Yay! Not in any, thank you, not in any particular I, I knew. I knew you would be. You would. You couldn't resist coming over. No, if I said Billy West. Which, I'm glad you did. Oh, yeah. And um, I, met, I met two nice kitty cats that were floating around. That's right. And I spoke nice. cat. Yes, you did. That was amazing. I, told I wish I'd gotten that. Yeah, okay, I good. wish I'd have recorded that shit. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but I mean, they, I, I think they just got tired of hearing me talk, but they were just moving in. And you know what? They, they can smell cat on me. Oh, oh sure. Mm. Well, also, when you were making those insane loud screeching noises, they ran away several times. Oh, really? No, and then they came back. Did they I do that? It was funny. Are you kidding? I'm like Ozzy sick. Osbourne. You know, somebody, <laughs> asked, somebody asked him a question like, you know, Hey, you know, that was like, what What were you thinking, you know, when you bit that bird's head off and everything and at that that news conference or whatever? And he said, what? What? Mm. You bit the bird's head? He's like, oh, did that? Oh, I don't remember doing he said, that. Who, who made me do that? <laughs> oh, yes, I know. Oh, poor Ozzy. Uh, well, we uh, always end the podcast by saying have a good thing, but I thought about if, what if I said have a good brain thing and maybe you could follow up the line. You know, I'm not going to make you perform. Wait, wait. Okay. I'm not gonna make you perform. Oh, this is interactive. You can tell me to shut the fuck up. No, I would never do that. Oh, okay. But I it's but it's my option and my decision Absolutely whether I right. decide if I to say... let you co-opt. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. My spontaneity exactly. and my 100%. alacrity. Hundred percent. So if I said have a good brain thing, and you said I already did, then I would just make me. Oh, myself. you mean is that like a fry thing? It is a fry. Say thing. it again. All right, all right, all right, all right. I didn't even pick up on that cue, and I'm usually pretty good. Fry's got that brain thing. Oh, that's, oh that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Have a good brain thing. Define thing. <laughs> <laughs> even better. Thank 
Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.